Exits for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things media, check out cageclub.me. Hey everybody, welcome back to X's for Podcast, the show we take a look at comics, mutants, magic, and marvels week after week through their many monthly titles. I'm Nico, and you guys can check me out on Instagram and Twitter over at NicoAction, that's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Today, we have an awesome triple header featuring Defenders number one, Children of the Atom number six, and the finale of Black Knight, Curse of the Ebony Blade, issue number five. Kicking things off is the amazing first issue by Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez of a really great take on the Defenders. Feels kind of classic, feels kind of new, definitely steeped in some of what Ewing does best, and our crew got into such a deep, intense discussion about what made this issue so special, because this issue was top to bottom an incredible experience. We hope you guys enjoy, and we hope you guys check us out over on Twitter, YouTube, and Patreon at X's for Podcast, where we have new content every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next segment of X's for Podcast. I am Rod. You can find me at Rod Kamada on Twitter and Instagram. And I am Steve, and you can find me at Howdy Duda on Twitter. Hey, it's Nathan. You can find me online at Twitter and Instagram at Dazzler AOA. Yay. And you can find me, Nico, online at Twitter and Instagram at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And we hope you survive the experience. I can't believe like, it's been like literally, literally 200 episodes almost to the number since I've had to cover an issue of Defenders. So I old familiar shoes ladies and gentlemen and every non-binary friend in between this is old familiar shoes and these are new shoes for me because i've never read a single defenders comic book except for this one so ah. (laughs) but that is what we're talking about today ladies and gentlemen everyone in between we're talking about the marvels the magic and no mutants in this one but that's okay we'll get mutants later so it is defenders not without the z it is stories by al ewing and javier rodriguez also inks by Alvaro Lopez and Javier Rodriguez again and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna Um, I can just jump in with one thing though so something that makes me so happy and it's not a defenders thing in the least now okay so you guys might have noticed by now I love to dress the part and I was a little torn do I dress as Ghost Rider or do I dress as Daredevil they're both classic defenders do I dress as Beast because I have a Beast cosplay like who do I put on to be a defender and I went with Ghost Rider because I knew Daredevil was going to come up anyway. One of the things I love to point out is that the brilliant Javier Rodriguez had earlier work at Marvel in his career on the incredible Daredevil by Mark Wade. Now, Daredevil by Mark Wade originally started out with two incredible art teams, one head up by the incredible Marcos Martin. Now, Marcos Martin did three issues before departing the series, which was kind of a bummer. But what is really interesting is if you take a look at the recap art here in Defenders is by Marcos Martin. So it's kind of a really lovely rubber band back to those early days of Daredevil by Wade, where the two of them worked at different parts on the same run using that same hyper-colorized kind of magic throwback golden age noir style. So it's just really cool to see people doing what they do so well still together like a decade later. Exactly. Thank you for that historical knowledge, Nico. We can always count on Nico to give the historical knowledge. He is our encyclopedia. Him and Nathan 
And honestly, Arturo and Josh too. Basically, all of Exes for Pod except for me. You have a very different knowledge base. We trust no one to take it to space the way we trust you and Juan to take it to space. I know. I'm just making a joke. But I am so glad that this is written by also Al Ewing because, I mean, he, like you said, he does space really well. And like this is kind of in space because of where we go later in the book. We're going in space. So I love that. Now, as a new person to Defenders, I've never read a Defenders comic. I've read all the characters that have been in Defenders. I have never read them together. So as a new person, I don't have any reference, but y'all do. So after reading this first issue, what did y'all think? I know it's probably early. It's the first issue, but has does it hold up to the defend to Defenders magic? <laughs> or do you feel like you're reading something different? Like, obviously different, but like, does this have the same feel as the past stories in a sense? Hellcat's not there so i'm kind of like what no you know what it really reads a lot like super secret defenders which is exactly what he mentioned from the card thing and that's the vibe i'm getting more from this book so far like the old school defenders right so initially they were brought together and then they had to separate because of a curse that wasn't a real curse (sighs) but then the new defenders formed which was more of a team instead of the non-team which had the whole event where like in the early defenders where it was a defender for a day where they like had like really cool guest defenders so like it's got some of that feel i'm gonna see how it goes i I want to see how cloud is gonna be in this run because new defenders cloud was amazing and i I can't i'm so glad that the character is brought back and i want to see what they are gonna do that character nice what about you steven i'm very excited for this run right off the first bat this uh was an electrifying first issue I enjoy everything I read by Al Ewing. It's funny, you yes. mentioned that Al Ewing does a lot of space, and that's true. But there's one other thing that Al Ewing really does, and it's mysticism and the occult and magic. Yes. Everything yes. that I've loved that he's done, which is generally all of it, has had something or other to do with Kabbalah or the tarot or you know hermeticism. And it's always just very thrilling for me to read. And this issue was absolutely exactly what I hoped for and what I expected. Nice. Yeah, I have to agree, too. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Ewing does do a lot with magic. I've always liked what he kind of explores and kind of furthers Marvel's magic where other writers kind of get a little scared of doing it because Mar- uh, yes. magic is like a, is a fickle thing and never works out. So it's hard to write sometimes. So people are like, let me back away and go more grounded. But Al Ewing's not afraid to just go out there and be kind of crazy with it. And I love that. I feel like Ron sometimes, sometimes <laughs> Marvel writers get into the space where they're like, well, it has to be a little sci-fi because fantasy is silly but we're reading superhero comics so i can't see the can't see why anybody wouldn't be brave and bold as al ewing is every time swinging out of the park i'm completely with you on that i feel like especially when you're dealing with the defenders you're talking about like o-p-a-f and it's all capitals and there's like light bulbs around each of the letters (laughs) it's very 1992 marquee a la radio city and i feel like you know when you think about the defenders if you're thinking like classic classic defenders there was that hysterical almost parody satire defenders mini from like 2006 ish which was a lot of fun and that featured strange hulk and surfer and i think namor right and you know that's such a fun team but like that that's kind of the classic defenders for me any other version of the defenders i think of as very affectionate pretenders but like you're not the defenders i have no qualms 
qualms with the Daredevil team. And that's probably the reason I didn't go with the Daredevil costume, because the Bendis iteration of Defenders was birthed of a desire to have a structured amount of corporate synergy, right? Uh, A little for you is a number of years ago, Marvel was trying to get a new book off the ground, and it was out of the 50-state initiative after Civil War. And... They did all of this amazing promotional art and they launched it and it was called The Champions, California's one and only team. And then they found out at that point they had kind of fucked up with that trademark and they temporarily did not own The Champions. So they had to change the name of the book to The Order. And that's where we got the incredible The Order featuring Henry Hellrung and Pepper Potts, one of Matt Fraction's most incredible early works at Marvel, before he would go on to write his own run of The Defenders. Now, his run of The Defenders is a little bit more my speed defenders the concordance engine is just so fucking good and anytime the dodsons deign to draw your book it's like so i was in a pretty good place with that title sucks that it only ran 12 issues i think i uh, got a little nod here red harpy was a member of a team that no longer exists in this reality oh right so it was a little bit of a nice touch back to that i really enjoyed this issue in terms of what it means to be a defenders book we'll see if it holds true on the promise but I'm here for it. Nice, nice. I I don't really know what the, I guess the promise would be, is it going to be like the other ones, correct? Um, just something that has, I don't even need it to be like the other ones because I'm a, I'm a big idea. I'm a big fan of whatever comes next should be next, right? Mm. I am not beholden to the 05 X-Men. I love that Grant Morrison said, hey, here's your new 05 with new X-Men. And now Hickman is saying, here's your new 05. Because like I think we all kind of go to, in a lot of ways, that cover of House of X-Men number one. House of X-Men, have a good night. I got to go. House <laughs> of X number one, where you know it's the five of them coming out of the thing. I mean, I wish Storm was yeah. there, but hey, that's another conversation for another day. So <laughs> I don't need it to be classic defenders i think i need it to have the vibe of you're also op what the fuck you doing here right i need that kind of you better have a good reason to bring this team together right i think in this first issue it has already fulfilled the major promise for me of what a defenders comic needs to be which is a non-team of absurdly powerful and often strange and terrifying people Mm -hmm. pulled together against their will yeah i mean and look at the first thing you're battling is like galactus yeah. So it's like, of course, they need all this power together just to defeat them. I I don't know what other entity they could really fight other than maybe like Galactus's mom. Galactus's <laughs> mom. Like, I like I don't know. Maybe like a, a a really powerful Thanos, or maybe like a really tall Dormammu. But Dormammu doesn't really, really do tall. anything. So never mind. It's always like already. <laughs> it's always like you know uh, one of the things that I think is really interesting about Avengers is the Avengers are always trying to stop. The, the world from ending but it always feels like the defenders are trying to stop reality from caving in right so like it always feels to me like the defenders are trying to hold the walls of reality in place so you know this issue with all of its amazing twists and turns i think you know omnimax which you know i mean just I can't even how excited I am. But like one of the things that I thought that this book really captured right away in terms of, you know, what is the promise of it? It really comes down to this final page. I have so many screens. It's, it's so hard to make it clear, but you know, this final image, I think one of the things that it says to me is, you know, the masquerader is literally inviting you into a world of shadow up his skirt 
which I really love. And, you know, it goes for that Batman iconography. There's something that should be a little bit pulpy about Defenders, right? Defenders always should have that kind of like pulpy feel. It should be a little, a little silly. Like you said, Steve, I love that. It should be high camp. High high camp. camp. Yeah. 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 I should be having a good fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and me, I would agree. Give me that Hellcat this... and Hulk. It's <laughs> weird relationship. Like you can, if you can translate that somehow in this comic, yes. Like, yeah. oh my god. I, I think the most promising thing about this is it feels a little bit like it's not exactly picking up from the best defense, the previous crossover mm-hmm. kicked off by Al Ewing and the pages of Immortal Hulk. Mm-hmm. But it is, uh, it has a little bit of the vibe from that, and I already, I already can feel that I'm going to love it. But that's kind of a given, given the author and the artist. Also, I'd love to talk about some of the art in this book yes i mean the art i feel like this is another book that is like every page i feel like i could take it out and just frame it and have it in my house and be like this is what comma is you know yes. <laughs> yes can i tell you what sold me on this book it was yeah, the first page the first two to three pages like the opening pages of this book sold me mm. completely we open with the four elements of magic the staff the pentacle the cup and the sword surrounding the reverse magician dr strange himself as he pulls the card of the reverse magician and we launch into the explanation of the card that he's reading and what it bodes for his day or what he's thinking about in relation to the card but a thing that drew my eye just immediately was that the back of dr strange's tarot cards feature an aroboros in the shape of an eight for infinity and each eight encloses an octogram an eight-pointed star also a sign of infinity but also a sign of uh, new birth you know seven being the number of completion and perfection eight being the new start the eighth day of the week being the first of the next and then you open the next page and on the very next page you see eighth cosmos the magician just summing up everything that i've been thinking about with the very first page opening before i even flipped it bringing a lot together uh the eighth cosmos of course being the one after i believe after secret wars after jonathan hickman destroyed the universe with his bare hands and rebooted it and um you know i think he had six cosmos later he had a little help from a few artists who did a lot of the <laughs> explodering but i'm with you that's just the, that's just the legend i've been told <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot more involved there. I think Dr. Doom had a little bit to do with it. <laughs> Dr. Strange featured so heavily in that. And just I know that the rebirth of the cosmos had a lot to do with what Al Ewing was doing. And I believe the Ultimates or was it New Avengers? I'm sure it was between the two. Um, I think Hickman er- was still on New Avengers at that point. Yeah. I think that yes. was yeah. Al Ewing over on Ultimates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, Ultimates. thank you. And just the the work that both Javier Rodriguez and Al Ewing do in the first page and a half to two pages to convince me that this book is going to think very deeply about meaning and significance on the page is astonishing. Even just even just the beautiful little bit of the masquerader using this like triplicate hexagram shield of David seal of Solomon thing to defend in the next pa- panel uh, really got me. There's so much going on with it. And we were talking a, bit, a little bit about the colors as you brought up, they're using this uh, four color printing process. This very callback to the silver age. But the thing that I, uh, that drew my mind so much was when uh, what's his name? Zota, Zola, Zota, I think doing his little ritual to go back in time to meet backwards Genesis with his little infinity symbol on his belt matching the infinity symbol on our reverse magician 
But when he's doing the ritual, the smoke, the four pillars of smoke that are rising from his elements of creation are the four colors of the four color printing process in order. There's the cyan, the magenta, the yellow, and the key, which is the black smoke. And I thought that that was one of the most brilliant uses. That's of what I was saying. That was, that, was legitimately, that was legitimately what I was saying. That's the serpent color because it's printed in steps. And that's what I was saying. Yes. Yeah. That's it's and it so was exciting. So beautiful. I'm glad that you hooked onto that as well. That man, I, it's just such a small thing, but it convinces me that these two know what they are yeah. doing. Yeah. Wow. And the use of the tarot is always exciting to me. <laughs> I did not dig in that, get any of that when I first read this. I got the tarot card, obviously, it's right there, but I didn't get the in depth. <laughs> Of the back of the trail cars, I was like, "Oh, that's pretty." Um, <laughs> I, to, I love that. Yeah, I had to reread it for sure, and you know, check back with the seventy-eight degrees of wisdom. And to dial back into the color choices for a second with the serpent, one of the things that I love is that we're talking about the interplay between Ewing picking up Hickman's balls and running them a little bit further, and who here wouldn't want to grab Hickman's balls? <laughs> and one of the things that's so interesting about his use of the serpent is, especially if we're talking about a book that deals with the reality and the formation of the Marvel Universe, one of the big things that Marvel 1000 tied back into was Hickman and Weaver's ode to never coming out shield. And the Promethean Man featured so heavily in the pages of S.H.I.E.L.D. by Hickman and Weaver. So the idea that we're seeing the Promethean Man broken down into the four-color printing process as a meta-statement on what this book might reveal about the Marvel Universe in terms of what we understand Masquerader to represent in Marvel 1000, I'm just very fascinated by the willingness to touch into meta-levels of storytelling that these companies are going into lately, whether it's doomsday clock and you know manhattan being like so here's what i did or it's this i'm really fascinated by the interplay of legend and legend makers right now in mainstream comics wow i and it doesn't beat you over the head with it and tell no. you that it's shakespeare no agree no. Yes. It just knows how good it is and it just keeps doing a good job, which is something I appreciate from a metafictional comic. I love how it harkens back to the cool, like, 60s strange comics where they did everything, like, so hugely, like, metaphysically. You're like, what am I reading? And then, like, the more you know about it, you're like, but yeah, love it. So I feel like I'm in class and learning (laughs) so much because I mean, I definitely like got concept when I first read this comic book, but you're all like, this has this levels and it's (laughs) the Marvel universe. And it's like the color palette is this talking about the start of all comic books. I'm just like, is it? Let me look. Oh, wait. (laughs) It's like, I, I love it though. That's why we have these discussions. It could also just be funny books. No, no. It could just be funny books. It could be, it could just be funny books, <laughs> but it's not like it's more than just that. And it's amazing that, you know, we come together and we figure this out together and we deconstruct it. And I just think it's really fascinating. I'm glad y'all are so smart. <laughs> oh. And if I may, one last thing about the art that uh, definitely had me certainly I want to say pleasantly surprised, but I guess that doesn't make sense on a book by Javier. I was specifically impressed by the value of color story as a narrative telling device here. One of the things is that, you know, when you want something to feel frightening, you put in more intense and shadow. And when you want something to feel very enclosed and, and, 
uh, sort of claustrophobic. You put in a lot of white with a lot of very small, tight body around it. And like, you know, there's things you do. And the deftness of the color work was so powerfully transformative of the line work. Not that this line work was by any means less than spectacular. It was spectacular, but this was line work designed for color to tell part of the story. And that's something that I feel like we're not seeing as much. Now, I don't want to say not seeing as much at Marvel right now, but something we talk a lot about on this show is that we currently live in the age of the penciler colorist, which is, of course, what we're facing here, right? Because Javier is a colorist by trade, or was, and now is so much, so much more. I never mean to be limiting, but damn, the man knows color, you know? So I feel like the color story here is even best expressed by that pinup page from the end with the color transition from the oranges into the cream and then flush into that purple and black. It really tells a visually dynamic color story that reminds me that this book is meant to be a breadth of what we're all looking for from it. Rod, you know, you're coming in with less experience, but there's something for you in it here. Steve, you're coming in it for the the quirky magic. There's something in it for you here. Like there's something for everybody. And that's birthed of a powerful color story that invites the artist and the reader to have a conversation through expectation of color. And I think that's really a spectacular treat here. I love how just like the overall tone of it too sets it up. Just the style and the colors that he used sets it up for a a vibe. Like I expect the really subversive, like really deep subversive story coming out of it. Like you got in those like weird offbeat 60s Teen Titans. It really reminds me of that. Plus the, plus like I said, early Doctor Strange, which was so mind-blowing for Silver Age comics. Like it's setting the tone for something like yeah i would love the campiness but like this is setting something serious and out of this world yeah i would agree that is definitely um it kind of because i've read quite a bit because uh, i love magic and i've read a quite a bit of older dr strange's mm-hmm. solo work and it th- this did bring me back to how it used to be very like you know a lot of panels of him talking in his head and explaining the magic and saying like he can't do this but he's gonna do it anyway <laughs> and because he says that a lot he's like i'm i can't do this this is gonna end the world but man i gotta do it anyway and the world might end but then they'll thank me anyway it for it it was just a decision it's like strange before it became insufferable so <laughs> yeah, yeah the cost always yeah, seems but to be strange is a little bit more yeah i'm like do you have any morals left to give as an offering i don't believe so but he keeps having it his ego apparently keeps getting sacrificed too that was hilarious i had to sacrifice my ego now look what my hubris have done (laughs) you didn't do a good job right but he does have a big ego Rod, i have a question for you actually speaking of you know the character has a big ego speaking of characters with big egos silver surfer has played such a dynamic role in the space stuff you've been reading go with rod Right. I mean, that's why I was like, hey, guys, I'm not coming for Rod. I need to be clear about that. I know. I was like, I was like, okay. It's like, so, wow. I understood it. I understood it, but I heard it. I just needed to protect myself. Go on. Sure I'm everyone sorry. knows. No, nope, we're good. sorry. I just need to protect You're myself. Fine. You're fine. So, You're fine. Uh, <laughs> you know, sourcing back to the pages of his Guardians and then into the pages of Silver Surfer Black, returning in a dynamic way for King and Black. How did Silver Surfer feel here for you? Because I felt like this was very in line with kind of classic Defender Surfer. Not that he had a whole lot of dialogue, but, you know, Surfer doesn't need a whole lot of dialogue to read like Surfer, right? Not that it didn't feel 
feel like Donnie Cates is surfer in any way. Not that there was a disconnect, but I don't know how it feels to be primarily familiar with that version. How did this surfer read for you? I've, I mean, I've, I've read a lot of surfer and I feel like this surfer after King and Black, he's becoming himself again because he's not infected with Noel's like darkness anymore. He's not surfer Black or surfer surfer Black anymore. He's just himself. So he's coming back into himself again. You know, he's being the mysterious tortured soul that can't be happy, but it needs to defend the universe because of reasons because noran rad will always chase after shalabal it'll just always happen oh he's dark and mysterious and he's also kind of sexy in like a really weird way at least to me i don't know he's like sexy sad boy like not like sexy who's like just sexy but sad and they're both silver so like it works Speaking of people who are like kind of not quite human, but kind of human, I was talking to Kevo and I said something to him about how the character came in and then, you know, Vision got all charged up. And then, you know, he was like supervision. And Kevo was like, wait, he was under whose supervision? And I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know how that's never happened. Wait, and it made vision? <laughs> Actually, it was that I story do. in particular. Uh, I have this open right here, which is like one of my favorite things of the vision, even though he's in the background. Is this him being stoic? It's in the background. It's his his chest puffed out, and he's just like, "I am here, and I will fight whoever this creature is." Because I don't think he knows who um, Betty Banner is, unless at least not as Red Harpy. So yeah, I love that. I think that's that's the Silver Surfer. That that's truly who he is, and I feel like he's getting back to him his normal self again since he's not you know affected <laughs> i really you know like team i'm sorry <laughs> you know what team's crazy powerful when red harpy is the character that you're like oh she's the least op out of all of them like the and she's OP. like crazy powerful she is crazy powerful uh and mysterious I, re- I really liked that the surfer ended up being judgment not only because i'm um, yeah, the obvious you know herald of galactus deal come to kill your planet herald of god yeah death of everything the end of the world birth of the new but also because you know like the world is the card that follows uh judgment and here it's reversed so the world devourer is what follows the surfer that's just a it's so clever just beautiful Uh, I did have another question for everyone because I, when I first was going to start, I mean, before I read this book, I saw the characters and none of these characters have really been together. I mean, except for Silver Surfer and Dark Strange. And I guess Cloud too, but it's been a while, you know? A while. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. And I was like, how are they all going to come together? What is this going to happen? And then when they did the tarot cards, I was like, that's ingenious because then you just be like, it's because of magic. And then you just throw it away. Like, that's why they're here. You don't really have to explain it that much. I mean, they did. But like after this, you don't have to keep explaining why they're there together. They're just there because of the magic. The magic chose them. Now, Started to how get flashbacks at Ten of Swords there. <laughs> right? It's very flashback at Ten of Swords. This <laughs> this did it much quicker. We didn't have to do 10 issues of it um, to get here. So no shade. A little bit. Shade. Might have liked 10 issues <laughs> of that. A little bit of shade. A little bit of shade. Pacing, Construct- pacing, cons- pacing. Constructive shade. Um, but what did y'all think of how the team got formed together? Did y'all like the torrent? I mean, we love how it was drawn, but did we appreciate how the team got together that way? I shall cast my shade of knowledge. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I think the truth is always a little bit between the first 
than the 40th drink, right? So I feel like there is something really great about magic because it's magic because it's magic. Just work with it. It's magic. You know, I feel like if Doctor Strange would just be sort of like like uh, like super gay scene queen, like we would be way more into it because he would be like, it's yeah. magic, it's magic, it's magic. It's like you could just work with it a little <laughs> bit more. But instead, he's so straight and dry about it. And he's so it's magic. You know what I mean? Wow. Um, mm-hmm. The magic of it is fine for me i feel like i don't need the defenders to come together for any reason other than they all found themselves in the same room but i love that if they were going to use a device they used a device exquisitely and with such care you know that if you're going to take the time to use up because this was a lot of setup for issue two which because the setup was done so beautifully ewing earned my trust you know like so it was a good it was a good setup you know i probably not how i would have expected it but certainly an outcome i'm very happy with yeah good awesome i like i mean i feel the same i did not expect it but i liked it a lot because i like torrent cards as well just like x of swords so i'm like yay we're bringing it back yeah, <laughs> what do you I, think about I ate that shit up i went to my rachel pollock book i was like what are the meanings i went and read every chapter again it was wonderful oh. lovely journey from me from wednesday to now <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you're the Sorcerer Supreme of the Exes for Podcast, apparently. Like, look this at your is amazing not a outfit. costume. This is just what I wear. This is your outfit. <laughs> you're just, you just showed up. You're like, hey, guys. It's just like, whatever. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> What about you, Nathan? I love that it was, if you're going to use a hokey device, maybe, I love that it was a hokey device that made sense within Strange in the Defenders universe. He'd done it already. It it makes sense. Like, I like the team that he drew. Like, obviously, they, like, geared it certain ways. But, you know, like, it would have been cool. It was cool for them to explain how his enhanced level of powers was able to draw these even more powered champions than he did when he was doing super secret Defenders, not super Defenders. And there's this like totally different thing. Yeah, I would agree. I like that we get, you know, Red Harpy still, because I feel like if we didn't get Red Harpy in this, we probably wouldn't have seen her for a while. Um, unfortunately, it's just how, it's how it goes. Ewing is so good about using his toys with mm-hmm. a, a, a fairness like something mm-hmm. we were, but by the way, I'm, I am coming for you, Steve. I need <laughs> to tell you, you made me nearly like spit pre-workout all over everything while I was editing. Uh, when I get to, I don't want to say it like an insult, but it was kind of Jason Aaron of him. I was stunned into fucking silence because Jason Aaron's famously my favorite writer, but I don't think you're wrong. That was a really interesting read on it in a way. I do that- read a lot of Jason Aaron. <laughs> In a way that I was so pleasantly stunned by. Um, but, you know, there was something sort of almost level up about it that was sort of kind of funny. It was kind of like, we're going to we're gonna make this team in a way that does feel kind of Jason Aaron's y. Like, there was a sense of bigger and better. And something I feel Ewing does really well is he plays with his toys in, in a very Aaron's y way. You know, once Aaron gets yeah. his love for a character, Brew is still showing up 
in the pages of Avengers. You know what I mean? So yeah, I feel like, yeah, Ewing was never going. Or when um when Abulit showed back up after Original Sin in the pages of Mighty Thor, like number twenty or something, right? I feel like mm. when Ewing shows love for a character, that character is safe forever. And so I think you're right, you know, Rod. If he hadn't had this opportunity to load Red Harpy in, it might have been a while. But I feel confident in being like we were getting Red Harpy again. It's just it nice to know it's in a good book. Yeah. yeah. If it wasn't yeah. here, it would have been in Gamma Flight. If it wasn't there, it would have been in Guardians. I knew it was going to come back. Yeah. And I'm very happy to see Red Harpy every time she's here. Red Harpy is like the uh, best part of Immortal Hulk. Like, oh, yeah. She's my Absolutely like, wonderful. <laughs> super cool. Like that last issue where they like, I was like, oh. Yes, that was perfection. Like, oh, yeah. I, I do love that we're sure getting is. her again. And this is a book where she can kind of just go nuts, which is great because we haven't really, we saw her co- kind of like give her power in Immortal Hulk, but it's Immortal Hulk's book. So she's not the focus. She doesn't get the main, you know, I guess fighting scenes or main focus as much. But this one, I feel like she'll get a little bit more because now she's not even with Bruce Banner. She doesn't have to follow Bruce Banner or anything like that. This is just her in this group. So she gets to tell like her point of view on some things, hopefully. Absolutely. Like, Anybody with a beans in Immortal Hulk, though. Like <laughs> And then I mean, and then we get Cloud, which I really love because I mean, I know we want more trans representation that isn't intergalactic, <laughs> but I'm glad the trans characters that we that are made so far are getting, you know, put back in the comic books after so many years. And they're, you know, they're getting more represented and they're getting focused, like they're getting more developed as well. I mean, we haven't seen much of Cloud yet, but it's also just the first issue and I'm sure we're going to get more. So I'm really so, excited about that and what that could birth from this. So that sort of worries me, Cloud coming, because Cloud is is a sentient nebula right so yeah. cloud really has no gender so yeah these i worry that the spell that strange used and i hope they don't do this but i worry that the spell that strange used locked cloud in the oh, what was her female name? form but the female form mm-hmm. instead of in the transition like either being able to bounce back and forth between it even when you go back to the new defenders run they showed up in mm-hmm. there was some problematic representation especially around the weird crushed bobby drake hat on the her form but we don't talk about it form. Oh. we don't talk about it i didn't know yeah. about that he's gay. He's gay. <laughs> we don't talk about it he's gay yeah yeah and i mean but like yeah <laughs> so like you can read that now through a through a a, a better light where like he was self-hating at the time so you know he was hiding it so but anyway it, there was a, some problematic representation between the way they had their gender switch back and forth so i mm-hmm. i hope i trust al Ewing to write it much better than it was back in that time so i, I have faith that it's going to be done right that's actually my exact yeah. point i literally like you know what and i don't want i don't want to be like what are straight people but like <laughs> you know al ewing's like hey guys by ewing here just want to come through and be mad by Bye to all of you. Have a good day. <laughs> bye bye now, Sale. Bye, guys. Right? So, like, I don't want to be like, oh, he's bi. He'll do a great job. But, like, um, you know, if a bi person offends within the community, we're all on the same grinder and scruff apps. You will run into <laughs> us. You know better. Within the community knows to try a little bit harder. And you don't just come out in a big fucking way around pride uh the same month that the x-men went i'll kill your gaze um you don't 
come out, you know, dicks a I guess, if you're not going to pay good on your purchase. So, yeah. cause he is by, so I, <laughs> I got to run, but <laughs> before I go, I, all the puns. I wow. think, you know, I came into Al Ewing being like, who the fuck is this guy that he's got every book? I He's really earned my trust. He's an excellent storyteller. He cares a lot about character. If he's going to do it, I at least trust him to do a big thing badly with the best heart. Yeah. I trust him a little bit more with at least representation, if if only because we got Dr. McGowan. Yep. That d- doesn't mean that Al can't fuck up, but yeah. I do have a little bit oh, more... Yeah trust in him because of that well Well, and also guardians of the galaxy is really well done with it's very good with (laughs) very uh queer guardians of the galaxy yeah yeah it's very very gay and bi and non-gender as well so like i'm yeah i'm pretty confident in it i like this value guy as As we have to remind ourselves as well, you know, it's not just Al Ewing. It is the company he is working for. So just because he wants to do things or somebody else wants to do things doesn't mean it will be done. It doesn't mean it can't be changed and um, against their will. So just to keep that in, just to keep that in retro back to the main point, I guess, of cloud is I love that. What's all the main points, but I just love that cloud is here because I feel like cloud being here opens the doorway for either and Dr. McGavin. Is it McGavin? McGowan. 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 Yeah. Okay. I was like, my, I can't pronounce words. So excuse me. Words are hard, you guys. Words are hard. Think about it. All of these. We literally say that magic saying words cleverly together should create change. It should create Mm. portals. It should open doorways. The ability to string words together was so significant at one point. It was believed if you did it right, it would do magic. Words are power. And that's what this book is about. Words and symbology and iconography are powerful. And words can be hard. They can. (laughs) Doctor Strange fucking said. That's why I'm hoping this book does well with like a trans character being on the main team, because then more characters like that will be introduced and created. And then it won't be like, oh, look, there's a trans character. It'll just be the norm. I feel like we are on the road to that. So (laughs) I hope we're on the norm on the road to that. Maybe this is leading to that. So let's all hope for the best. But I love where the team is at right now. I love that we're getting, you know, fighting Omnimax, a.k.a. Galactus as a baby form they I always say the, the baby previous snakes. galactus yeah previous galactus, galactus yes. of, of his universe of that's his right, universe his planet because yes. oh. you're on ty's home world and that's that's his mom oh that makes sense <laughs> that's his baby mom as a awesome. pan dude this is my lady type huh. dumb thick nice hair color shift in there yeah nah she's a she my gal right and i especially love the sort of soft playfulness that they've included on the next cover for her there is something really (laughs) fascinating and soft about the presentation of his mom as this figure that they're all just kind of resting on you know, I think Just about cradling that, them. Yeah. I think about that cover for the Gale is back, where, you know, the figures are resting on the letters. And like 
this is just them nuzzling her bosom and it's not in a sexual way it's not like in a right. you know she's a giant and there you know there's a tit like it's she's a woman and a mom and these people are standing like and the masked raider is the only one who is on her in an attack pose the other three on her are a bit more paused and of course silver surfer looks angry because if he doesn't look angry it's hard to tell he's not Iceman. so i feel like yeah everything about it is this this next cover has a lot of personality in a in a way that helps reinform the last pages of this issue i think there is something really exciting and dynamic to be explored here based on the value of the significance of what we're seeing yeah and the the blurb underneath it gives me hope for the camp factor yeah like this mom has got it going on yeah oh my god yes something that in like 2005 would have made me very worried about the quality of the series (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah but today from al ewing makes me genuinely excited for the camp coming up yeah Yeah. we should always be grateful for adam schlesinger references (laughs) when we get them yeah and i feel like today in media especially with the more popularization of like drag race and all of these other things camping camp not camping camping that's two different things can we go camping in media we can go camping not right now because we're all in different states but see you're being camp right now and it's okay because now it's okay to do that in media and i love that i'm glad the media has progressed and it's okay to be funny and also be known as still serious enough to you know appreciate and not just be comedy all the way yeah that's why i have two wigs on (laughs) yeah camp (laughs) what i just explained was literally the definition of nathan there you go Nathan is a camp that's me. individual. I'm just I'm camp. Just camp. That's my aesthetic. All camp all the time. I do want to point out the cast. <laughs> I do want to point out the cast list, which is like the one point of it. I just like the like they did the Carol Cardness of it, explaining who they are and what they are. But the thing that made me really excited and kind of answered a question for me was when they said, you know, Doctor Strange is the leader for now, because we all know in the solicits that death of Doctor Strange is coming. So I don't know if this is going to end before that. But I'm like, if Death of Dark Strange is coming and he's you know, dying, how is he going to be the leader of Defenders? And it says for now. So I'm like, oh, well, maybe he happens in the middle of this run and he dies. Yeah, I thought he had already mm. died. I was like, he must be back. <laughs> I believe what it says is Cloud, Harpy, the Silver Surfer, the Masked Raider, and the Sorcerer Supreme. The card mantle mm. does it not does. say Doctor Strange, whereas the others um, are referred to by name. He is referred right. to by a position. And I do believe mm-hmm. that we have a number of able, willing, and capable magicians who can either sub in for now or play the new Sorcerer Supreme. I mean, I would love it if Jericho could do an arc in here because he's fucking hot. I would love it yes. if Billy could find a hot minute to come in uh cuddle up maybe my beautiful damien could come and have some you know mm. cutter problems whatever he wants to do he's damien and i love him so uh it's me and patsy all the way yeah no it's <laughs> the two of it we got it we uh, we can fix yeah. him so um that's my thoughts on it <laughs> no. 
Nice. I was actually, yeah, that would actually got to my next kind of combining question is like, who would you want to take Dr. Strange's place? So Nico answered that. Steven, you're on the spot. You answer that now. Yeah, I watched <laughs> back in the job. I didn't think he got a fair shake at it the first time. I was not. reading New Avengers when it was coming out, uh, the very first volume of New Avengers. Mm-hmm. And I was very excited by the direction that was going. And then the moment it slammed into a wall with the heroic age and it never recovered. And that um, very you know, mediocre the- remender arc. Yeah. I haven't read it. I'm. I don't like that guy. Yeah. So it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> I do. I do agree that Doctor Voodoo should get it. I think so. Nathan. I- Nathan. Come on, Nathan. Nathan. Okay. So Nathan! I'm, trying, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to say my obvious answer. Duh, you guys know I'm going to say Amanda Sefton, but that's not oh, realistic. But like, oh, um, I thought you were going to say honestly, Karma. <laughs> Amanda, actually, actually you just no. say Dazzler. Uh, actually, Dazzler, Am- Karma, Amanda Sefton. There, I Amanda, said them all this episode. <laughs> Amanda wouldn't be a bad choice, she though, because, because you know, she's random, and all these characters are kind of random, so I get it. She is. Random should not be the sorcerer. Random should not be the sorcerer. No. I would love to see more realistically, like Talisman or Shaman from Alpha Flight take over the role if you can't have Jericho. You can't have Jericho do it because I know they probably won't give him the role back because they've already had him do it before. So I also noticed that the Darkhold event is going to take place at the same time as Death of Doctor Strange. And it does make me wonder if perhaps Juanda might be getting a bit of a promotion and i would love to see juanda come in what was that? And, uh, i that's how i like to say her name when she's being all highfalutin right because mm. like most of the time she's like wanda you know what i mean but like when she's being uh, important may, and like fucking up reality she's juanda may i throw out a small prediction here that has to do with some other aluing properties are we gonna vote hold on let's vote he he asked so i'm for it is anybody else for it i'm for it i'm sure. for it okay yeah, yeah okay so you can because we voted yes <laughs> all right i appreciate it it's a democracy the dark hold is open we know this mm. there's high levels of magic going on in Mount Wintergore. All of this is happening. The death of Doctor Strange is happening. We all think of Wanda, or at least some of us do. Some of us who were not obsessed with Avengers annuals growing up. I think the High Evolutionary has the Darkhold in his castle on Wintergore. We have seen him recently in an Al Ewing book. He's been in space, hanging out in Cordycep Jones's place. I think he is keeping an eye on all this intergalactic intrigue. I think that he is keeping an eye on Dormammu erupting out of Ego the Living Planet. And I think that he has the dark hold and is up to something nasty. Maybe he even killed Wanda. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that like, might, I, I, don't, I don't know about that one. I love all everything. I'm sure he did not kill Wanda. I don't think he was up the gala. Wanda's a mutant still. Lockjaw, like, Wanda owed Lockjaw some money and he came to collect during the Hellfire Gala and he just started beating her to death with the tuning fork. And that was it. Yeah. Hopefully I mean, he didn't bring D-Man along because that would be sad. That's, like what, that's what happened. And then the second in Humans versus X-Men is going to happen soon. And then... Oh, God, not say again. That. Please, please. <laughs> the <laughs> online community <laughs> Like, oh, the Inhumans weren't that bad. They were fucking trying to kill all the mutants with their fucking Terrigen Mist. The cloud is going to come back and it's only going to be on the <laughs> No. no. Cloud, but don't, don't, but we're talking about a different cloud, okay? Not D- the Terrigen Mist that. cloud. Out of the air, Rod, please. <laughs> 
You take that back. Okay. If I had to go through Emma Frost being a villain one more no. time. So many off. trials of Magneto. I don't need any more Emma being a villain. I don't need any more trials of Magneto after this one. No. I so back to so we said Nathan, who did you say? <laughs> Stressing me out. I think he said not <laughs> oh, I he said talisman Jimmy, and Jimmy shaman. Talisman. Talisman shaman. Okay. Jiminy yes. and then uh, Talisman and I would want she just had a a a one shot and in the one shot if you read it yeah Nico got it if she says she's gonna come back soon so I'm like if she's gonna come back soon then I want it to be I looked it up she's gonna be Kushala she deserves to be Pretty the next cool. Sorcerer Supreme like she can come back to our reality like come back to this this time and take over for Doctor Strange because he doesn't he's what is he doing he's, not he's doing dying anything, right? he's ooh, busy he's ooh, busy he, being it's dead. gonna be he, it's yeah. gonna be because Wanda's gonna give her crazy dark old powers it's gonna be Jan Van Dyne oh god <laughs> Like that's for a real what? shot. So like, I don't seriously. There's a dark old wasp. There is. Then that look. No, that looks that fun. Looks cool. That, looks, that cool. looks cool. No, I'm excited to read that. I don't. I don't want her to be. I don't so, want her to be. So, so, no, I don't. No, want her to, no, no, I, I love Janet. I love Janet. No, I, I don't. Want Guys, I'm trying to sleep that out of existence. <laughs> I don't want it. No, I, I please. But I don't. I, want, I love Janet, but no. But yeah. No, I also, she can be like, the Avengers. She can't be the Sorcerer's. Yeah. And, no. and also to be a little controversial, I still don't want Wanda to be Sorcerer Supreme. No, I don't That's either. Fine. I don't. I don't want. I don't. Either. I don't think she doesn't need it. Yeah, she doesn't need it. Divisive. I don't think she wants that role. I don't think her character benefits from that role. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think she'd do a good job. But I mean, yeah, I Doctor Strange is very reckless, but Wanda is also extremely yeah, reckless. So. <laughs> she just made a whole island of plant zombies recently, or zombies and plants. And I would she like bamped away. Like she didn't even go back. <laughs> yeah, to fix she's it. like, I gotta go. Um, <laughs> Trace, I, can you fix this thirty days later? <laughs> Rod, you said something really. You know, in your question, you framed it really, really intelligently. Like, you know, the question was your statement, your opinion. You framed it really well. Of like, you know, controversy opinion. I don't want it, but like, I, I, I really agree. There's this quote that after they knighted Sir Elton John for his work with the British Crown, uh, I forget who it was, but a commentator replied, that's weird. Sounds like a demotion to me because isn't he usually a queen, right? And that's how I sort of feel about Wanda becoming Sorcerer Supreme. Once she's Sorcerer Supreme, she's the eye roll in most of the crossover events. She becomes that person who shows up and we all say, no, they should be fucking doing something. But if it's Wanda, you never know if she's just sitting around going, oh, look, a baby, another baby, (laughs) another baby. Oh, you used to be somebody's hands. Another baby. Not another baby. Oh, my God. And she wouldn't be able to do that if she was the Sorcerer Supreme. I see no reason for the Sorcerer So Queen to take the demotion. Yeah, yes. (laughs) I don't... (laughs) A baby! I don't want her to make babies like that anyway. (laughs) I think she's quite over that. It's been... I hope so. I think she's over it. I think she's over that. I I think she's well over it. I hope she doesn't go... Maybe the dark hole makes her go back to it, but hopefully not, but... Like, in comics, they don't age, so she's still, like, 25 no. maybe in comics? No, she has to be at least, like, 35. Because, <laughs> no, because the X-Men are, like, She's on Social 30. Security. No. So Jean, like, 
Jean is like 30 years old right now. She's at least she's got, she's hit, she's she pushing 40, so it's like she was 24 when she died in Dark Phoenix. Okay, then, then yeah, so, then yeah, like, she's at least like 35, maybe almost 40. She's they're in the upper the upper 30s. Only Guys, I literally forgot we were talking line. about defenders. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Sorry. No, no, I'm but like no, it's only been 10 no, years okay. since X-Men won. No, but like this, this this goes into defenders, except for maybe they're not gonna put any mutants in defenders because mutants have their own thing but this goes into defenders because literally anyone could join this team and that's kind of what my next final question was going to be was if you could pick one character to surprisingly show up and help them for whatever reason i can't pick a character we haven't seen in a while um <laughs> <laughs> um yeah if you could pick one character we haven't seen in a while i'm making it harder for you who would you pick for like one issue maybe two so know, predictable what character okay i mean i, I was, was gonna, gonna say go use your predict- <laughs> i was gonna say electra as daredevil first. he's predictable because i love electra as daredevil that, yeah okay daredevil usually okay. appears but i like your request of make it somebody a little less expected and in that regard mm. i would I, I know he got some mad love so i would love to see Stick show up mm. in oh, okay. the pages of Defenders. He's always got some. Maddie, I've been holding out against the end of the world by myself for the last forty years, kind of thing going on. <laughs> so I feel like that would be a great opportunity for him to be like, "Strange, you suck," and like that would be the that would be his. The, that's all he needs to bring. So I would love to see. Uh, I'm so predictable, Monica Rambo, because yeah. honestly. Good. like Ewing writes Monica amazingly yeah. Monica's OP is hell like fit right in with the team and where is so, she yeah and she was just on WandaVision and we don't have her in comics anywhere nowhere I do love that you managed Steven. to get her in <laughs> I, I said all of them so like I'm done very <laughs> nice okay there you go I said everyone. how about you Steven who would you pick yeah I had to cast my mind back because my first thought was Namor but we see him all the time so I, I don't know if this is somebody that we haven't seen in a while, but it's somebody I haven't seen in a while because I've only been rereading Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange recently. But I'd like, what if Zelda Stanton came back? Yeah. Zelda okay. Stanton from the Bronx. Yeah. I, I would like her to come back and fulfill sort of like a Rick Jones position for this team because my boy Rick Jones is in hell forever, it seems. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. I haven't. <laughs> that, poor, that poor guy. Yeah. yeah. Night Nurse. Oh, man, I worry about him all the time. Night Nurse would be Night fantastic. Would be I don't know it, what Zelda Stanton has been doing i don't know what happened in the 2018 series of dr strange but i would love to see the she's, librarian come back especially since she was on a path to sorcerer she's in strange academy oh is she good yeah, i've been yeah. missing out yeah on she's that. a librarian and kind of the co-headmaster kind of gotta go read it we we yeah, cover it cool. it is one of those things that i was Maybe. like let's just cover because it's cute and then we wound up getting a ton of feedback on it and it was all really positive and then we got a piece of feedback on it that was Hey guys, I'm Scotty Young. I really like your guys' takes on it. I'd love to talk about it. And Scotty wow. Young loved their yeah. coverage of Strange Academy so much, he came on the show to talk to them about it. So That's I so- can't stress how cool Strange Academy is if for no other reason the creative team actually cares about what the fans think. Yep. And it yeah. has reflected in the title. So don't miss yeah. Strange Academy. Yeah. Cool. So I, yeah. I don't want her to leave the school. Like, Strange can go away. Absolutely. But I don't want her to leave the school. 
but that was a good choice though. But <laughs> I don't want to lose. going to be then if it's not Strange Academy. Yeah, he's barely there anyway. He can be a Marner when he dies and be named after him because he's dead. I guess. I guess <laughs> that's they, true. They, the Jean Grey school was named after Jean Grey when she was yeah, dead. She so, was like, different right. time. <laughs> you know, know Rod, who's your call? I mean, like. Oh yeah, know. I was waiting. So I, I was waiting for y'all to be, be done. I was. It's like y'all. I asked, so you know. Um. So my pick. I'm kind of piggybacking off what Nathan said. Not picking Monica, but another person of color that Al Ewing has wrote beautifully, and we haven't ever see him ever, even though he's basically not to mention another character, basically the Superman of Marvel. Even though Her boyfriend, super yes, and super smart <laughs> is Blue Marvel. Where is Blue Marvel? And Blue Marvel would be perfect for this because he never really deals with magic, and it would show the magic side um, with science with this. That would be so cool. Yeah, and then the yeah, master good idea. Deals with, like science too, right? But with magic and it, like the, the time travelness and this and all that and all the science stuff. So he would bring a good perspective that none of them probably know. So yeah, it really works. With Blue Marvel, you get the best parts of Hyperion and Nighthawk, and yeah. I feel yeah. like that's the kind of OPAF you need on a Defenders book. Yeah, bring them both yeah. in. Blue Marvel bring them both and in. Spectrum. Yeah. Where are they? They're so cute yeah. too. Oh my god. If any man, if any one man writing for Marvel right now, if any one person writing for Marvel right now was going to do that, it would be yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. No. yeah, I will say this again and again on every, I don't care how, if it, how repetitive <laughs> it gets. I will say this on every recording we do. It makes no sense that Monica and Blue Marvel are nowhere to be seen with how powerful they are. It makes absolutely no freaking sense and that is i'm that's my soapbox <laughs> my soapbox is why do i have so, a wanda and a vision and i don't have a freaking monogram on the show but like yeah, yeah. She's coming. i believe she's, I, believe I think it. she's coming it's just taking no time i think they're waiting till she gets her official costume oh, in the marvels the marvels okay yeah so but yeah i think that that was good that was i liked all your choices my choice was the best it, with nathan <laughs> no, my choice me, was the best me and nathan couple, had the so best like, choices right, guys guys <laughs> Let's just fix it. Squirrel Girl. We're done. Oh, okay. Where is Squirrel Girl? I don't She's know. Gone too. I need more Doreen every day of my life. I mean, she does. She can beat Thanos. She could probably beat Galactus's mom. Like, yeah. why not? She's I think we want to beat Galactus's mom. I think we're working with Galactus's mom. Oh, yeah, I think we're working with. What? I don't understand why this got so. <laughs> I don't know. I think Everybody, let's do some matricide. Hey, yeah, I don't why, does, why does Galactus's mom only speak in scare quotes? Can we address that? <laughs> I thought that was hilarious and weird. <laughs> It's just like, hey, I gotta put a typing quirk on this character. What would Galactus's mom talk like? Well, she would <laughs> always talk like this. Very strange. <laughs> Very it's Doctor Strange. It's uh, like Galactus gets mom. his, um, you know, very, you know, holier than thou speaking. That he gets it from his mother. So. <laughs> it gets it from his mom. She talks like a cop to me. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a carryover. You know, old English. This is like old you universe english <laughs> yeah old universe english where everything is shocking ye olden devourer <laughs> shall devour yon planet yeah where the she's like oh so you're space time hobos and they're like we didn't say space time <laughs> well, you said space time <laughs> well you lose the meaning of air quotes they guys i feel like volume. that I feel like that has to be the end of the end. And (laughs) 
Hey everybody, Nico here again. Now this next segment features our discussion of the finale of Children of the Atom. The series feels in so many ways like it never really had a chance and we were expecting it sometime last year and it just feels like this book never really got off the ground the way it deserved and the fact that its finale features the Hellfire Gala, two months removed, it's a sad goodbye to a title that always kind of deserved better than it got and we hope you guys enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'm Jonah, and you can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at PeakJonah. That's P-E-A-K. I'm Kyle. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82, D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2. Hello, I'm your art ho auntie, Dame Red Bento, a.k.a. Raven. You can find me over on Twitter, Instagram, and all of whatnot. Come over and join us. Hey, I'm Evelyn, the Comic Canary. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Comic underscore Canary. And we hope you survive this experience just <laughs> like Carmen was able to survive the experience of the hellfire gala which is also a little bit interesting because the hellfire gala is over so now we're having to see everybody where i also had to look up to make sure like was that their costume was that that their hellfire gala outfit i was like oh it actually was oh okay but yes so if you couldn't tell by the name carmen today we'll be covering children of the atoms number six the final issue within this series party of one written by vita ayala penciled by paco medina ink by paco medina and Walden Wong, David Curiel as the color artist, VCs Travis Lan as letterer, and Tom Muller on design. And this title has been a very interesting title to follow. I want to remind everybody that this entire title was announced way before it was ever released. This title had a very rough start getting to be published. I mean, there are delays. Does everything come out as originally intended? Because I remember during that, what was eventually became a whole year before what did come out, I was really interested and in seeing the conjecture and thoughts of what this book was going to be about because all we really had was the issue number one cover and we were like are these the new young mutants are they going to be mentored by older mutants and like what's that going to be like there were so many interesting things and i would love to know everybody's thoughts as a whole how did we exactly feel about this title i for me i think there the title had its ups and downs and while it might not have been always my favorites i think there was a lot of there were some really good things that did come out of this, especially in Vita's writing. It was kind of a difficult read for me. The first couple of issues, I wasn't sure where things were going, and then things started to solidify, but it felt like they were dropping a lot of breadcrumbs for stuff that was going to happen that either were kind of just glanced over or never really happened or came to fruition. So it it was kind of disappointing in that regard. And I hear what you're saying, Kyle. I think especially one of the one of the more interesting, I think, breadcrumbs that we got was talking about Cole being given mutant blood to heal him, and that well, a who is doing that? B where are they getting the mutant blood? C does that make him a mutant by proxy? And I think there's a lot of interesting thoughts in that, especially because that kind of coincides with what was going on in the earlier issues of X Force. So I wonder where that was meant to go because this book also had a rough start in that we never really knew if it was going to be a miniseries, if it was going to be ongoing. I think a lot of people thought and we were told that it was ongoing and then it got turned into a miniseries, which kind of seems like the MO of Marvel currently, which I don't know if I fully agree with that. But Evelyn and Raven, I would love to know your thoughts on this title as a whole before we send it off into, you know, its bins and before we move eventually move on to the next title we're given. We just tend to agree. There was a lot of like little breadcrumbs and little things that seem like they 
were going somewhere and they never did. There was like some disappointment, almost. Like, I really liked what they did with Carmen, but then everything else was kind of like, meh. This book had five completely new and original characters that we were supposed to get to know and understand. And it kind of felt like Carmen and Buddy were the the stars and everybody was their supporting mm-hmm. characters in the background. We really didn't get to know Gabe too well. We definitely didn't really get to know Benny or JJ that well. And yeah. you have to feel bad for these characters who are introduced and we really know nothing about them. Each issue seemed to kind of come from one person's perspective and yet it still got centered around just a very few people. I think I have the harshest review of everybody here when it comes to this title, possibly because I had quite a bit of hope for it. It, it. I thought it was going to be interesting concept. I thought maybe that they were amalgam clones because we've been seeing more and more government experimentation and shadow industries that are you know picking up mutant DNA and crossing them. So I was really interested to see where this would go. But the footing in the first couple of issues was a bit rough. And then the next few issues, they, they seemed to actually get their feet sort of under them. So there was a lot of promise going into this last issue. And along with all of that, the breadcrumbing and all of the setup and everything, I also noticed a very clear pattern of like red flags and microaggressions, consent violations, um, boundary issues. And I honestly thought that there was going to be a build up to the aggressors in this story being called out on their actions because it is a younger reader's book. So I was hoping that it would be called out because obviously this is not appropriate and you want young readers to feel empowered to call out abuse and microaggressions and things that are not right, especially within their own friends groups. And this last issue did not pull through with that at all. So I am not happy about this particular run, unfortunately. And that's okay. You know, everybody's allowed to have their own opinions and interpretations of things. I personally think, at least for this issue, it was a lot better than the other issues, which is a good thing, but also a bad thing because it's like, it's great that your last issue was your best issue. And, but the bar was a lot lower for the other issues to be better. And it feels more upsetting when you feel like they're getting their footing and you feel like the team is really trying to be able to come together to tell this story and narrative. I was someone who wasn't a fan of the effects of outlaw with Kamala law. I get it from an in-universe perspective and narrative, what that means. But I, I, as a reader and consumer, wasn't that big of a fan of it. So to see it here is kind of a little wishy-washy for me in the terms of, I don't really know. I kind of find it a little bit funny that the Cradle is trying to get them. I also find it funny that they're named Cradle because they're right? all babies, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Who came up with that? Yeah. Um, Cradle is just kind of cheesy as far as code names go because it's like, really? You're, you're, you're degrading these children as you're putting them in handcuffs <laughs> like oh no <laughs> like so much about this is just not quite right when carmen is entering the hellfire gala and they know what her mutant power is of shape-shifting mystique is like oh a uh, shapeshifter? yes oh if you ever want to come talk to me yeah and i was like i know that we're no longer in a school setting but a lot of the x-men is about teaching especially the younger mutants and i would love to know everybody if they have somebody who we haven't seen as a teacher yet step into a teacher role i think <laughs> raven 
Shannon slash Mystique would be a really interesting teacher. There's a really lot to learn from Mystique, and while they may not want to give her a class, I sure think she should have one. But I would love to know if there hasn't been someone put in a teacher position, who do you think would make a good or interesting teacher? It's so adorable that you think that she's coming to her as a teacher. I was about to say something <laughs> oh. similar. She's not. <laughs> I think she's there to teach her how to actually use her powers correctly. <laughs> well, yes, yes. <laughs> but, and you are, you are right, there is a big difference than what Mystique is insinuating in this moment. It's mm-hmm. just something that I thought of, of like, huh, we haven't seen Mystique teach I mean, at Mystique, Xavier's because, well, Mystique for good reason. Mystique is like the epitome of be gay, do crime. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you are very correct. Like, so true. For real stuff. Like, <laughs> like, what are we gonna do? Nah, be yeah, gay, do if, crime. Yeah, like, pretty interesting much. Interesting teacher, yes. Good teacher. Uh, at her subject, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but that subject, right? <laughs> is espionage a subject? Apparently, yeah, is shade a subject? Because, uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>, masterclass. <laughs> if. <laughs> Oh my god. Reading yes. is fundamental and the children do need yes. every child should learn how to read. <sighs> yes, yes they should. So we kind of get to see the Hellfire Gala technically happening in this title even yeah, though it's been done odd. for a while. Haven't we been yeah. done for like a month or two? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can you can definitely tell that this this book was meant to come out earlier and it just kept getting pushed back and back and as a result things got temporarily out of whack. Yeah, that's one way to put it. <laughs> that is one way to put it. But I had to go back and double check on, on Danny's outfit just to even remember oh, if yes. she actually wore that or not. I was like, um... That was the one I had to double check. So we were talking a little bit about it's been a little while since the Hellfire Gala. We had to look up a couple of people's outfits and costumes to make sure... Um, excuse like, me, the oh, that is what they you, wore. Dave. Danny specifically. Some of us are obsessed with the Hellfire Gala <laughs> and have not forgotten about it and is working on cosplays for everything. (laughs) I mean, I remembered most of these, but there was like one or two. I'm like, it looks similar to what they were wearing, but dang it, maybe it's just a cool outfit. Crap, let's go back and... Oh, no, no, that's... Okay, yeah, no, no. Okay, yeah, yeah, no. They were wearing it. Okay, go. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I I specifically remembered Danny's turquoise uh, tiara, so Mm. that that stuck out to me in her, her design, and I'm like, oh, I love that so much. <laughs> Honestly, it was only Danny's. I, don't, I can't tell you exactly why Danny's didn't register with me because it's a really, it's a good outfit and it's one that I really enjoy and works for her. It just, I guess, just didn't stick in my head. I don't know if I just didn't see enough of the whole thing because we kind of got to see Carmen kind of be toured around with everyone, which I mean, I was kind of fine seeing the Hell's Bells again, but I was also like, you're going to fight her here in front of <laughs> humans and everyone. That's Did not a smart thing. Did you see what they were wearing? Mike? Yeah. Ugh, just go home <laughs> just yeah. no it looked like they came off came right off the street for right after right. got Don't getting arrested come here after <laughs> right. <shopping> macy's i'm like oh honey that's more like ross dress for less that's their active leisure wear section oh, oh. just 
but I mean, I, I do love the outfit that they put Carmen in. Like it, it showed yes. some beautiful skill. Like this is the kind of, of quality that I would expect after she's created all these costumes for her teammates. And just, yeah, this, this beautiful woven pattern that she did. I, oh God, I know the technically hard way to make that pattern on fabric. A point to go over. Cause you know, we've seen everybody's costumes and I actually, I also really enjoy Carmen's. It's very 70s. It's very disco. And obviously she made it herself, which is chef's kiss. I would love to know everybody else's thoughts on how, you know, her outfit for being new on Krakoa. And this is her first event. A, and this is her first uh, foray into Krakoa. How do you think she stands up? I think she did exactly what she should have done, which is go out, make friends, explore, just being herself and seeing what Krakoa's about, which she met the right people I think she hasn't met the darker side of it yet but she met some of the nicer people that if that's who she chooses to hang out with like those are pretty good choices like iBoy and Magic and all of those people just having a fun time I I think that that will do her well if nothing else she got to meet Jumbo he Carnation. offered her a job uh, yes, yes. Yes. Like, absolutely yes. I'm like, dude, you got to meet your heroes. She got to meet Magic. She got to, <laughs> which Magic's going to get her in all kinds of good trouble. Uh, she got to meet uh, Dazzler, which, I mean, that's one of her heroes. So, of course, yes, absolutely. And she was supposed to go to a Dazzler concert. And that right? was when she had her first mutant oh, that's, transformation. That's right. That's right. So, we, it was Dazzler's fault. It was Dazzler's <laughs> Dazzler called this. If we're venturing into Krakoa for the first time, is there someone? you would specifically want to be your guide to like show you where everything is because i have two answers i think iboy does a really good job he's a really friendly personable person and i think he just he is a good time he seems like a very sweet boy so i would absolutely love to like secret code through him but my second answer is boom boom because i feel like boom boom would give us plenty of shots and we do it very drunk which i'm not endorsing this but i'm not gonna remember most of krakow at that point (laughs) no but it would be a really good time that's all that's all i would remember that's all i need to remember <laughs> so i would love to know who who would you want to be your kakoan guide i want to have richter as my guide his, okay. his connection his connection to the land or to the earth and just i like that he's becoming more mystical and i i'm totally all about that and i don't know he could also show me uh other world too <laughs> <laughs> I thought, mm. I, thought that, I thought that was oh a, little, my. a little bit different. Oh my goodness. Is that what we're calling it now? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, let's see. It's hard to like pinpoint just one person. I mean, <laughs> funny enough, I wouldn't want it be want it to be Storm because I know that she already has like so much to do. Could mm-hmm. I pick a duo? Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I pick two. Like, can yes, I pick like a duo? Like, both of them show me around at the same time. Okay, mm-hmm. I would love Iceman and Pyro because they're some of my favorite like romance right now, and I think that would be so much fun. Mm-hmm. I think it would just be a fun time to just like party with them and like find all the mutant hotspots and just have fun. I'd also like to imagine Pyro goes, and this is where we burn things. And then he puts something on fire. (laughs) And Iceman immediately puts it out. He's like, no, this is not where 
we burn things. <laughs> <laughs> they to do that like Which almost every stop. I think would me because I would oh think that I would God. have nature-based mutant powers if I had me. <laughs> so I think I would really good <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. I, okay, if I had to come down to it, I would want to be shown around by Mystique and Wolverine. Okay. Ooh, okay. I, I like Mystique and she A, she doesn't bullshit about anything. Even when she talks in couched language, she doesn't really bullshit you about it. She just gives you a very thinly uh, veiled threats usually. <laughs> like, mm, mm, okay, that's nice. So I, I would love to see the slightly darker side of Krakoa because not every place, especially when they're first starting out, is going to be utopian. And I want to know possibly the people or places that I should more or less avoid so getting the deets on where the dark is makes it a little bit easier for me to not get sucked into the bullshit and then wolverine i think just knows all the really fun like interesting places like when he was playing oh god when he was playing hide and seek with the kids (laughs) and they could not find him i'm like this i want to go i i want to go on a raid with him because you know he's gonna know all the deep weird stupid fun crevices and things going on so i think honestly i'd have a pretty good time with him and you know i can learn how to carry whiskey on my person that doesn't even just send to krakoa that's like the entire world Wolverine's a well-traveled man who knows all the weirdest smallest dinkiest dive bars but Mm -hmm. it is where you will have the best experience in that town probably for a long shot even in the major cities nearby like Mm -hmm. wolverine i think i think everybody's got some really good picks that'll would make for an interesting fun time absolutely you know and that's kind of what Krakoa is all about is you're all surrounded by a bunch of people where you're really the only the most common thing you have right now is mutant dumb and it's like well you can make friends with anybody you can make friends with somebody who was your hero I know mm-hmm. I'd probably be a little bit nervous to talk to like magic or nightcrawler but like I'd want to and I could if I I could if I wanted to or no, actually no I'd, I'd be too nervous to talk to Emma <laughs> for good reasons <laughs> <laughs> but I would just I'd just be too nervous. But when the party is winding down and the next morning, we see Carmen kind of, you know, missing her old life. I hate to be that person, but Krakoa just seems so cool. Yes, I know it's not perfect. Yes. yes, I know that there's so many problems. But Krakoa is so much cooler than New York. <laughs> Well, that's where they are well because it's a lot more it's more organic it's more genuine it's it's even though it's not perfect it's probably how a lot more of society would actually function if they did not have to rely on late stage capitalism basically unlimited resources they tend to relax a lot more and, and make more art and build a very different style of community it's just been shown through you know psychological research and even research into tribes that are non-western or non-european in nature and they tend to be a lot happier because they're just like yeah we're cool we do our thing we cover what we need to cover we get everything you know done and then with the time left over we make sure that we've got enough land so that we can eat in the future but we also have plenty of time to like actually decorate things and you know really work on on different skills with you know what we got so yeah no they're honestly it's it's as close to a utopian society as you could get in many regards um they're of course still going to have growing pains because they are not completely separated from the society that they and came plus from. remember mutants historically 
have been treated so terribly just absolutely so terribly and so this is something we've talked about in the podcast before where it's like it's a time for them to just kind of break free and just live their lives and just have fun and they honestly deserve it like we all go through a slut phase this is mutant slut phase <laughs> mm-hmm. it really is especially if you're reading over uh, uh, reading yeah. over on way of x oh yeah <laughs> 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 oh, they really do be that People really are taking make more mutants to heart. We, we want that. More mutants. So can I change my earlier answer to the horny answer and say Dokken? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, because you know Aurora's going to come along with. I mean, I'm not going to be that mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I die, I die. I'm Okay. Of course, then again, my horny answer is Sabretooth, so. Hey, man, I have bad decisions aplenty, and once the alcohol gets flowing, I'm going to be like, who's the strongest one in here? Let's do this noise. If I die, I, I die. Somebody please resurrect me later. If I if I had an answer that I, I would be bonked for, oh, I, 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 it would be a duo. <laughs> <laughs> wow for me, for me personally bishop because bishop really does it for me Wait, who's my who's my i had i had the other one i swear i did yeah you <laughs> had it and then you thought of bishop's rippling muscles and you went uh-huh. what shiny That's oh colossus gracious. there we go colossus <laughs> but he's specifically wearing his hellfire <laughs> outfit <laughs> And from what is a overall, I, I, I think the Hellfire Gala was a very fun event, and it was mm-hmm. kind of nice to see it again, even mm-hmm. if it felt a little late, a little <laughs> unfortunately late to the party. Haha. <laughs> the next few pages are what I think are a very important series of panels and pages about Carmen coming out as a mutant. Mm-hmm. And I would love to know everybody's perspective on this coming out scene from Carmen and coming out to her. I believe that's yes. her stepdad and her mom. Yeah, because the father makes a very insensitive joke about it must be from her father's side mm. but i would i would love to know how everybody felt it do you feel it was a realistic coming out situation and story everyone's coming out story is different everyone has different experiences and i think this one is very valid in itself because it it definitely had like the queer like absolutely queer overtones not just the undertones that we know they were talking about her lesbianism and being totally fine with that it was the mutant part that was hard and we saw flashbacks of them making like really bad remarks and making remarks that she overheard which makes it so hard for her to come out and yet she was still brave enough where she decided that she really needed to tell them and I feel like that does mimic at least stories of people that I know having the step father kind of acknowledged that he said some wrong things and still accepting her for who she is I thought was like a really good message where it shows that parents can admit when they've messed up too which is something that I think is important because there are some people who are parents who read X-Men comics and it shows them that yeah it's okay to say I was wrong let me fix this yeah I agree and her stepdad said a lot of things that made me uncomfortable. He kind of talked them back, but 
but at the same time i i don't i don't know if that really makes everything better because a lot of what he said was generalized even though he turned around later and said that they were aimed towards xavier even before she came out as a mutant the way that they responded to her wanting to tell them about it the way that they spoke over her and didn't let her see say what she wanted to say and just made assumptions about what they thought was what she wanted to say it wasn't it felt like it was taking some of her agency away it's great that they accept her in at the end but the path that it took us to get there was a little rough oh yeah i i absolutely agree with it 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 felt like they were constantly talking over her and even though the coming out as mutant is supposed to be the big reveal like the fact that they're like guessing at everything including oh oh are you queer like to have that word come out of a supposedly cishet person's mouth like that makes me uncomfortable especially when it's being said in a kind of a flippant tone because coming out as as queer is <laughs> talk about nerve-wracking and i came out later in life and it was still exceedingly nerve-wracking to do so to have somebody so flippantly toss out a word that is quite often used as a slur was very uncomfortable and then she finally comes out as mutant and and we get to see all of these microaggressions and and you know she's had to watch again like you said she had to watch everything that her stepfather said and you know she's living with this dread her entire life and then he's like oh but you know i did oh i didn't mean it you know we're still your family i'm like oh oh so we're gonna do some gaslighting there so you know great yet yet, this is the problem i'm kind of having with this book is there's a lot of gaslighting and microaggressions aimed at carmen and when she calls people out on that shit they try to walk it back or gaslight her on it or or you know walk around it as if they didn't mean it that way so to see it on the page still sending that subtle message that well as long as they walk it back as long as they say they meant it for some other reason then you should just go ahead and accept that i was with a very toxic family for a very long time and they did this almost exact same thing so like to see it on the page made me exceedingly uncomfortable and it was really triggering in a lot of ways thank you raven for sharing your perspective and your story you're not alone i think for me i would have appreciated her stepfather apologizing for what he said because whether he's talking about it in a certain context or not kids don't really know that and we say i think we say a lot of things and sometimes we don't mean them sometimes we mean them in different ways but especially around children kids internalize a lot of things especially comments like those or criticisms and it's things that stick that's the stuff that sticks with them and it makes coming out like this hard also if like someone's coming out to you don't like guess (laughs) don't do that like just let someone seriously also like acknowledge it and like if they're making it a big deal it should be a big deal for you i know that there's this sentiment that it shouldn't be a big deal and like yes it shouldn't be a big deal but if it's a big deal to someone let it be be a big deal for you too that's my like hot take and tips no Um, and 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 you're dead right about that (laughs) so then we get into this like action fight with i don't know what to call them the children i guess we could just call them children of the atom as the team they're fighting horticulture which i was happy to see them again because like they're a fun 
They're fun yeah. X-Men villains, and I love the representation of having more characters that are elderly, especially mm-hmm. elderly women, because uh, we don't see that a lot, which is, you know, besides the whole discourse of Irene slash Destiny, like, she's a character <laughs> I really didn't enjoy because she was an older woman who was, whether a superhero or a supervillain, that's not something mm-hmm. that we always see, and I love that idea for representation of it, like, no, you can be older and you can be a villain or a hero. You can mm-hmm. be gay and do crimes at, like, 60 or 70, <laughs> and you can be a badass doing it, especially if you have precognitive powers. So there, I was worried that they were going to fade into obscurity when we didn't see them for a while, but they are making their rounds into different titles, so I do hope that they kind of, they are mainstay menace. This action sequence where Carmen comes and saves the day. Was there anything that stood out to anybody? Did we enjoy this? Because this isn't a very action-heavy book, like, at all. And I do think that the times that they do have it, maybe except, maybe except for the Hellbells, it's been well uh, done well enough that I have enjoyed it, but I would love to know everybody else's opinions on action throughout Children of the Atom. I absolutely adored the horticulture fight, but not for the children. I <laughs> I enjoyed it <laughs> yeah. for the old ladies because I thought they were freaking awesome. Like, not only did they prove that they could work together as a team, they were all competent. They, you know, they were doing pretty darn good. They were holding their own, you know, against the children. <laughs> oh my god, the fact that what the old lady sucker punched two of them and took them out I'm like, yes <laughs> yes yes i loved them i thought as as villains they were absolutely fabulous they did such a wonderful wonderful job with horticulture i think the police showing up was i'm sorry no they should i think horticulture should have gotten what they were going for and been off like i honestly think they should have won the fight i'm just saying i'm just saying but i'm glad that they brought horticulture in there because you needed some sort of uh of a tension break or not a tension break you needed a, a way to switch between scenes and this was a good way to change pace absolutely they're, they're a villain group that there's so much mystery that i'm actually really i really do want to know yeah. more about them i do want to know a where they get all the money where they get the tech from like where they were, were they just a group of women who started a horticulture club that became villains that's pretty awesome like i i actually need to know more about them when is their solo title coming it was explained that they were scientists whose research was either stolen from them or or they realized that their research was doing damage to the world so they decided to go into super villainy to save the world from humans or something like that i also looked this up octopi only live for about eight years but they also have like hundreds of babies i think if they really wanted to they could take over the earth i think they're just waiting well, they're only like two percent of them like make it to adulthood at the moment yeah well but also uh, they're starting to build underwater societies like actual full underwater societies so I'm just Listen, saying we're getting closer and closer to that to that reality I freaking love it I love horticulture like on so many different levels I love horticulture not just because it has one of the most uh, ethnically diverse teams you also have much older women they actually do deal with some of the ageism that you know unfortunately older people do deal with and it's like they're on page it's like oh mercy please oh she looks like kind of little grandma. like you know people assume that if you're older you're weak and that you can't be conniving you can't be a sharp wit or anything and yet horticulture shows again and again that they can and they're just so much fun i would love to see more villain groups or even heck even more hero groups that are like that i need a 12 part mini series about their background 
Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, can we can amazing. we like go through like their research and then being like, no, 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 we can't do this, and like blowing up their lab and like <laughs> becoming one with nature. Also, where do they live? I would love to know what their base looks like. I mean, That's it's really obvious that they're all just hmm. cottagecore lesbians. <laughs> oh True. my God. True. It's, he's literally staring at us right right in front of us. You're not even wrong. You're not even oh freaking my wrong. God. Techno cottagecore yeah. lesbians. <laughs> oh. Oh, what color flannel? Oh, they each have a different color, hun. (laughs) (laughs) They each have a different color. (laughs) One's that kind of green. We've got teal, gold. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think think one of them goes for classic red? Of course. Of course. That's (laughs) Um, what we call Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Sunday brunch. Everybody gets out their best red flannel. If you don't look like Paul Bunyan, you're doing it wrong. We we come to our end. The ending of this is also what I thought what was going to happen with Franklin before what happened to Franklin that I don't know if I can voice without being upset over. I thought it was kind of going to be that where it's splitting kind of splitting his time like he was half in you know on with the humans and then half with on Krakoa and learning and doing everything all your mutant business over there. And it's again something I wish was explored more i i wanted to see a lot more of that dynamic and i wanted to see a lot more of everything that was going on about what that means for somebody that like that's a huge shift too and not just a whole new environment you're now splitting your time and i think that's also like a very common thing like we see especially like kids who try to do too much and spread themselves too thin because Mm -hmm. you know they're forced to put so many things on their extracurricular activities to stand out to go to a college that makes them but puts them in debt i'm not salty no not at all um, I would, you know, love to know everybody's perspective on kind of this almost Hannah Montana life where she's <laughs> the best of both worlds. <laughs> I would love to know, like, is that something you would want to see more of? Like, so someone not, it doesn't have to necessarily be with Carmen, though it's set up for somebody to pick up with Carmen, but just that in general of mutants that might not want to leave. And I think we kind of almost had that with like Beacon Angel in New Mutants before they were like dying. Oh boy, I love Beacon Angel so much. I miss them. Put them in a book. Anyway, (laughs) I would love to know everybody's perspective on, you know, this being the finale, this ending, and the threads for somebody if they wanted to pick them up. And I hope at least we can touch on some of these characters again. And I hope they don't fade into obscurity, but... I don't know how I feel about this ending. I like the idea that Carmen has decided to split her time between Krakoa and the human world. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of her and Buddy making up and dating. (sighs) Yeah, I I really... It's... uh, I'm not... I I fully (laughs) agree. <laughs> it's just, it, it, just it's, it, it didn't leave like a great taste in my mouth. I don't know. It was just it was meh. I also agree with that. I think there needs there needs to be a lot more time in between the apologizing before I can accept any anything semblance of a romantic relationship. It really felt like a lot of stuff was just swept under the rug. And I want to be a little blunt, like not the, Buddy said some shit that was like really mean and was kind of entitled. And I don't. It, it was just a lot to just forgive and forget so quickly. 
I, I I get the sentiment that you might not understand how to handle these complex feelings you're feeling, especially with jealousy, with potentially being attracted to one of your friends, and all these different things that are complex. But it felt I don't know if it, the last few pages were the place to do that because we didn't really have a lot enough time to develop that. I also like the idea of the love triangle a little bit more. It kind of just hand waved whatever Gabe wanted because it did it felt like it didn't matter and I kind of felt bad about that because I actually found it a lot more interesting when three different people liked three different people and <laughs> I thought that was a lot more interesting than unfortunately what we got I really I think I maybe could have come to better terms with this had we had a lot more time to develop this it just felt a little rushed at the end to put this in and this ending is actually what very much triggered my PTSD and I went on a rant probably at the wrong people the beginning of the book has a lot of straight up red flag abuse and gaslighting coming from Buddy when Carmen calls Buddy out on her bullshit and not just even Buddy she calls all of the friends out on their bullshit because she wasn't there when Cole basically got bull rushed by everybody else but of course Cole knowing that she's friends with with them thought she was in on it too so like Carmen suffered negatively for, for her friends actions and to have Buddy give this really half-assed non-apology and and to have everybody just kind of be cool with it and and yeah whatever buddy wants we want to we want to make sure that our our cis uh in many ways buddy represents white male privilege while still being in a female body so like when i say cis white privilege like she covers both spectrums of of that or all spectrums of that kind of representation of it it really shows that carmen suffers from a major pick me mentality where she will do anything to make sure that her quote-unquote friends continue to pick her even if it's a detriment to her well-being which this very much is so to watch this wonderfully talented young afro-latina woman or, or girl however you want to posit that basically go i'm gonna split my time so that i can stay with my abuser was really kind of gross and the intent for this doesn't quite matter or does not i should say straight up does not matter as much as the impact and they and your so-called friends back your abuser by all means if your abuser gives you a half-assed apology accept it and become romantically involved with them which again just feels like a, a huge violation in all of this i think buddy and 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 her friends are going to become villains later on Carmen is going to be a very damaged individual when she finally gets away from them and honestly I think her time would be better spent on Krakoa for every number of reasons oh absolutely also not to say like don't do long distance relationships and stuff but like I don't think many people realize like if you go into college like because <laughs> I'm equating going to Krakoa like you're going into college <laughs> you go to college and like you have a relationship but you go to two different colleges that's really hard it's gonna put a lot of stress on you and also you might be limiting some of the experiences you would learn you would have i mean everybody's to each their own you can do what you want i also come from not a uh i almost said monopoly nope um, <laughs> you can do it monogamy. <laughs> i meant to say monogamy but i was thinking monopoly i mean sort of the same thing but not quite um i'm not coming from I'm a monogamous standpoint but still <laughs> <laughs> um, any final thoughts on Children of the Atom 6 before I go play Monopoly, apparently? <laughs> <laughs>
I was I was wildly disappointed with how this all panned out. It 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 was microaggressive, red flag and abusive from the get-go and instead of calling it out and showing um teenage readers that you can stand up for yourself and and getting away from a toxic situation is a better than staying in it. They had like the worst outcome that you could have, which is an abusee getting together with their abuser. My opinion. <laughs> there were large portions of the series that I enjoyed. I really wished that they had stuck the landing on it. And I wish that we had gotten more of a resolution on a number of the breadcrumbs. I'd like to see more of Harmon in the future. I'd, I'd like to know a little more about like Benny and JJ. But I mean, I, I don't know if there's more that I can say about it. Evelyn, any last thoughts? Just that I agree there was some pretty problematic parts and it was kind of hard to get over some of that even with the really fun parts I'm kind of disappointed with the way it ended but I do hope we see more of Harmon and I honestly think I do want to see more of these characters just to see how it all pans out in the future to see if there's actual true proper development or if it just stays like this I I really hope, my, and my hope for Children in the Atom is that these characters don't fade into obscurity. I think there's, and uh, this shouldn't be something I'm saying issue into issue six, but or at the very end of what this entire series and this run and this title, but like there's potential for these characters and there's potential themes that could be really interesting to explore. And I hope that someday a writer is able to pick pick up these characters and explore those themes themes that we didn't talk about or think of and put these characters in situations because I do think that this cast of characters in can be you know a good something for young LGBTQIA plus kids to see and be able to see themselves in some of these characters and hopefully that we can call that you know maybe in the future in a future title we can talk about some of the stuff that did go down in Children of the Atom and we can rectify it we can make it good and we can have an actual conversation about what is and what isn't you know, promoting or showing off a toxic relationship. Hey everybody, Nico here one last time. Now in this last segment, we finally talk about the final part of Black Knight Curse of the Ebony Blade. This was a lot of fun. We love Jax. We're excited for the future of this character and this title. Not to mention the upcoming inclusion in the MCU film Eternals. So this one was a lot of fun. And we're going to miss Cy Spurrier's title, even if we didn't always love his interpretation of Dane. Guys, as always, we love making this show for you every week. Doing two to three episodes here. Dropping five episodes over on YouTube, Twitter posts every day come over and interact with us on twitter you guys can catch me at nico action and n-i-c-o-a-c-t-i-o-n and you guys can catch the show at x's for podcasts x-i-s-f-o-r-p-o-d-c-a-s-t and until next time guys keep those mutant lights lit those Krakoan gateways open and guys we will see ya Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Exodus for Podcast, the show where we talk about comics, mutants, magic, and marvels week after week through their many monthly titles. I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. I'm Kevo from Husbands Talking More or Less Podcast, and you can find me at Kevo Really, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. Hi, and I'm Rod. You can find me at Rod, the, on Twitter and Instagram, being ridiculous and loving life. And being cute, too, Rod. Come on. <laughs> hey, and it's Nathan. 
again, you can find me online on Twitter and Instagram, where I'm usually like getting into some BS somewhere on Dazzler AOA is where you can find me. Well, if by BS you mean beautiful somethitude, then yes. <laughs> but I didn't have the S prepared, but I had beautiful. And I was like, oh, it'll come to me. I'll just start talking. Uh, what a Dane Whitman thing to do. So we are here to talk about Black Knight, Curse of the Ebony Blade, number five, by the amazing, I mean, by, by this issue, these two are so tight together. Cy Spurrio and Sergio de Villa have yeah. this incredible tightness by the end, of course, inks by Sean Parsons, colors by Riff Frianto, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit, with covers by the unforgettable Ivan Coelho. And I want to just start with, I am dressed as Kate Bishop, because this issue for us is a celebration, nay, a great day of victory and celebration, because from our first coverage of this, we were like, maybe she's going to be the new Black Knight. And then, <laughs> yeah, pretty much from like <laughs> the third issue, we were like, maybe not she's dead. And then <laughs> last issue, we were kind of like, maybe why not? And you know, so what's happening? You know, it was a really interesting road. But what we got here is an amazing situation where a classic 1960s Silver Age character steeped in the endless mythology that sort of precludes fans from coming in, right? He has now opened his mantle to a new person, a young woman who is a Arthurian expert. So not only will she be able to translate the relevant parts of continuity mid-story in a way that facilitates the idea of a new reader coming in and joining in the mission, but she represents a stripping away of the idea of dynastic male legacy. This was a position that could only be filled by a man. And when I think about most of the sharpshooters in Marvel, almost all of the sharpshooters in Marvel until the 2000s were men. And then we got two brilliant characters in the form of Kate Bishop and who I would have much rather cosplayed, but that's a whole nother conversation, Lady Bullseye. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm just making eye contact with her in case she's watching. I love you. <laughs> so I fucking love her. Anyway, so I am very excited to talk about this issue because it represents something we all wanted. It represents a major change in the character. And just like Hawkeye took on Kate Bishop and evolved the idea of what it means to be the Marvel sharpshooter, I think we're excited about a new era of Black Knight. This isn't just a new era of the character, but rather it's an exciting, bold era of Marvel opening the idea to newness. Now, before we even get into issue five, which I am so excited to discuss, how did you guys feel about the idea of what we predicted happening, happening? It's always nice when you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it too. It, you know, it was done in a way, yeah, we all expected that to happen, but it was done in a way that was fresh and it didn't feel like I was like oh i knew this was gonna happen i was like right oh that's cool but i knew it was gonna happen i was i was happy that they weren't gonna be in a relationship together that yeah, he turned out to be yeah because i was like you know <laughs> two heterosexuals do can't it. be in a book without being with each other it's, it just can't happen you just can't do it they just can't 
well, the sexual it, tension. It's because straight people, it, I, from what I understand, it's straight fictional characters are all born with magnetic parts. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas gay characters have to mate for life and then die tragically early. Oh, yeah. And then Although, think about each other the whole time. The whole they time are related to Mordred, though. So maybe they'll hook up in the future. Ew, that's oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. They can be related <laughs> and still have a good time, I guess. No, no, no. We're leaving, <laughs> We're leaving that in the past. That's the past way of I hope so. <laughs> it's that song I was, from Birdemic. Uh, I was definitely surprised that the relationship was daughter. I didn't see that coming. What precedence is there for this character to have a secret daughter in the comics? Is there any? Who is Ashima? I don't remember. Is that a person that we should know? Or is that just this issue all of a sudden? Are you asking if there is either a specific character in canon or is it believable that Dane sheathed his sword someplace without any regard for the responsibility it would incur? Yeah. It's not hard for me to believe that Dane Whitman was like, I'm so tortured. Do you want to take away my pain? Or as I want read in a British independent play, Sort Me Out. Uh, I'm so the way it sounds, but I feel like it's not a hard stretch for me to believe these characters would have that relationship. I could just no. accept that he has a daughter. Yeah, I mean, because I feel like there's been moments, I'm assuming, because I didn't read all of his history, there's been moments in Marvel history that we haven't seen him so he had time to like sleep around yeah. and get someone pregnant. Are you so, saying you know. there's been moments where Dane Whitman hasn't gotten a whole lot of page time? Oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I know uh, it's hard to think about, but you okay. know, I think it's true. <laughs> but how old is he? Like, seriously, like, like she's what? Like, she's doing master's studies. So even if she's like really super smart, she's like in her 20s at least, right? So, like, he was in his early 20s, we'll okay. say 18 even. He could be. So like, yeah, I want to say okay. probably the then magic keeps so him much. young. The magic probably keeps yeah. him younger. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, he might yeah. just have a really good skin routine. Yeah, but then I that mean, changes, like, the whole thing with Crystal. Like, you know. Well, how old was Well, No, but Crystal likes older dudes. Like, Crystal oh, okay. and Quicksilver. Crystal and Black Knight. Mm. Crystal and inevitably a member of her own family. So I feel like she's into old. I will take as many shots at the Inhumans as I would like, sir. I read IVX. So, and it was not a fertility special in any way. Crystal did get with Human Torch, though. So she likes younger a little bit. Well, and like Quicksilver can't be super old either. He just has gray hair. Yeah. He's the. I guess I did that, didn't I? Oh no. But okay, well, fuck. Okay, so he's 48 and it works for me. I'm fine yes, with it. 48. 48. I I cool. you know, like we just found out that the guy that plays Han in the Fast and Furious movies is 49 and I think he's drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. So I'm covered, right? So well, that's okay because I think the Avengers, like the original Avengers, are like Tony Stark's got to be pushing fifty, right? Janet Dan Dandine's like Janet Dandine has got to be fifty because yeah, yeah. easy in, in my mind, and it's so specific, but it's really important to me. Like if I were given an opportunity to fix a wrong in the Marvel universe, like if I could zap retcon things, one of the things I would do is I would definitely have made Janet a doctor at the exact same level as you know Hank. I would have really oh, dynamically mm-hmm. changed that to make them specifically equals. 
and mm-hmm. carry yep. that there mm-hmm. equals vibe. You know, I Kevo can tell you, I literally sobbed in the theater when Michelle Pfeiffer stepped onto Aww. the screen. That was like one of mm-hmm. her, like that was like one of my biggest <laughs> moments. Anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> I have to confess something really specific. I reread it because I read five and I was like, was that there the whole time? So then I I skimmed one through two and I was like, I'm going to read it a little bit. And, you know, when you've read something before, it reads a little faster the second time, especially if you're reading for something specific. So it's not like I spent three hours of my life doing this. So it wasn't the deepest read, but like... Guys, Mordred's plan, I feel like, got the least attention of any plot element in this series until this issue, when it was all Mordred's plan all the time. And that would maybe be my one failing of this book. Mordred never should have had a tangible plan. It should have been some battle for the soul of the body in the castle with the fate of the Black Knight at stake. And he could have still done his, I'm going to make everybody around each other kill each other. Like, that's fine. Like, I'm not saying don't do that. But this whole broadcasting narrative... Oh, it weird. just felt so it felt so size spurrier in so many it ways. It was a little more it was a little more Doctor Who. Yeah, exactly, exactly, than exactly. It was yeah. Marvel Comics, especially a Marvel hero who is mostly magical in nature. Yeah. I really loved this miniseries and I really loved the ending. I thought this was this was a great month for final issues, really making previous issues more worth it, whether it was the conclusion of America Chavez, which was both a bummer and a positive in some ways. The Children of the Atom finale, again, that duality. This was a good month for endings that were sort of bittersweet, whether it's because they didn't give us all the answers or they gave us answers we maybe weren't looking for, but they set a new powerful precedent i think we can sort of in many ways kind of eh, kind of at the plot because the plot does get a little silly it gets a little punch them up but i wanted to specifically ask a couple of really important character questions to get us going we had female heroism in abundance in this issue whether it was elsa doing what we all said we knew she would do it's like he heard our review and obviously not because (laughs) obviously completed before issue one ship you know but all of a sudden Elsa was in the voice we wanted for her. And, you know, we were so concerned that the new characters that were introduced here were going to be super duper in jeopardy. And I am personally concerned about something. I had been concerned that Jax was going to disappear, right? I had been concerned. I apologize, right? But instead, Jax and Elsa got to play out this super cool female lead action sequence. How did you guys feel about the drive action coming away from this one established figure to not just a a new figure in the same lineage but kind of giving some spotlight to Elsa who deserves it I mean I thought it was really well written in that kind of aspect I'm glad that Elsa came back because we said she was going to because how could she not that's not in her nature just to leave especially not for her father like maybe she she even said that yeah she even said it so like he's a jackass she's like it's fine I don't want to leave someone like another orphan around I think she said something like that that degree even yeah. though she's technically not an orphan now because that dan is her dad Woo. but <laughs> but i'm glad they had that little you know woman superhero moment oh, yeah. and i'm glad we got that you know they took them down and everything 
I I appreciate that we got that moment with her, and I'm glad Jax is back because if she would have stayed dead, then I probably wouldn't have liked this issue. Agreed. <laughs> the size of that refrigerator would have irritated me to no end. <laughs> now, you know, Nathan, you had been one of the people calling for Jax to have a purpose the most. You know, Kevo, I know you're Chekhov's gunman, but ooh, interesting phrase. Ah. But, you know, uh, Kevo, I guess you're Chekhov's gunman. But, you know, Nathan, you were like, Jax has a potential. And not only did yep. we see your predicted potential for her come due, but we saw it come due in sort of the spectacular, high fantasy way. How did you feel about the payoff of these last, you know, well, you didn't say six issues, because let's throw in the King and Black special. No. For Jax to get a chance to, for Jax to actually be able to to fill the potential that I was hoping that she would. That's amazing. I loved seeing them team. I loved seeing her team up with Elsa. The one plot point that still kind of sticks on me is that Elsa went away and came back, right? So like, that's like her going away and coming back, like seems like, I know we mentioned it before in coverage where like, you can only have this person as a guest star on this one episode. So like, it seemed very much like they're like, oh, we don't want you to be in a featured role. We just want you to be a cameo for this last episode. So like, come in and do that. That didn't make any sense, but I did love, I love seeing the the moments. I love seeing everything come together. I really want to know what Jax's Black Knight suit's going to look like, because that'll be awesome. Hopefully there's no power jacket, but you know. <laughs> now, Kevo, this was a thing that you had said you'd be really happy if they did, but you were concerned that they would commit to. And they did it in a way that I think really subverted our expectations instead of, you know, oh, now you have this, I have this other thing. It's much more, we share both things, bro. How do you feel about the duality of this character change? As somebody who's read Old Black Knight and the potential for that character to grow into something who was initially thrown by what you found the character had grown into, how do you feel about this revelation allowing the role of Black Knight to grow? Especially with the vivid picture that was painted of Dane Whitman being a complete fuck up in the early half of this miniseries. I think getting to see him be able to share his burden with someone is nice. I feel that we were not really given enough development on the character of Jax in terms of being his daughter and not just their relationship as father and daughter, but her relationship with being an orphan or, you know, it's it's been so long and it's come out over such a period of time that I'm struggling to recall what details of her backstory even were mentioned. I think we've been aware that she is probably going to be of, a Thurian le- of Arthurian lineage for some time to know that she was going to to take the mantle of Black Knight in some way, but we didn't know that she was going to literally be his daughter. And I don't know now how I feel about the character and her development retroactively with this new revelation. Uh, I am more excited to get to know her more. I really hope that, you know, she's just really cool and can work through it real well. I think they're both going to be a little bit wary of therapy going forward with the listener app. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that we had said that we were so excited about was the potentiality of perhaps some sort of Black Knight core, perhaps a number Mm. of people using a number of the items. I feel like that's very clearly been kind of KO'd for now. That is not what they're doing. Probably. It doesn't feel (laughs) like that was ruled out in any significant way. 
Now, something I got to mention is it's at least fortunate that while we had meant to record this a little bit sooner, uh, other coverage sort of prevented it. But that means we're able to talk about this following the most recent Eternals Know The trailer. And I cannot believe for what is rumored to be a two minute role in this whole film, they were able to milk so many appearances of Dane Whitman for this two minute trailer. Which, by the way, so good. So, uh, so good. So good. Finally, after more than two years of giving us nothing, nothing on nothing. this movie, they gave us everything yeah. in the last trailer yep. three months before the movie. Well, it looks so good. Excited. And that celestial image. Yeah. Fuck. I can't imagine. Yeah. So Ugh. I didn't know that Dane Whitman was only going to have two minutes in the movie. I did not know that. It's the, the what rumor. is speculated. Okay. It's the, he's not going to be weird. super main feature. That's the weird. I mean, I didn't think he's going to be super main feature anyway, but so short. So short. The rumor really is that. To him yeah, the rumor is that it's like a backup, kind of like uh, like a backdoor mm. thing. Uh, so he'll be in other stuff though. So yeah, the way they were talking to him, it made it seem like he was like the keeper of the eternal secret, like the black knight. Yeah, like I was like, but yeah, I'm like, yay, Cersei! And then I was like, oh my god, Angelina Jolie's character looked kissed so amazing. Mm. I was like, everything about it looked so good. Oh, and it didn't reek of what I'm really tired of from trailers right now. You know, they didn't slowly play a weird version of Queen's fat bottom girls or something like, that was the last trailer that was the last one remember we clicked it by accident and that song yeah. started playing be work you know me by blondie they're like oh, yeah i would oh my god i want a trailer with a slow maudlin version of fat bottom girls <laughs> <laughs> it, it just feels like they're positioning black knight to be something new in the marvel universe especially new to compare to what he ever was before with the possibility of something like the Black Knight Corps even remotely being on the table, what do you guys hope that this miniseries yields for the Black Knight mantle? Kind of fuck Dane, but what do you guys hope this yields for the Black Knight as a sellable entity? I hope more people will be interested in it a little bit more because it's not just like a straight white man into it anymore. You know, you got Jax as a woman of color. I kind of wanted him to die i knew he wasn't going to because he's in their eternals movie and they're going to use him in mcu so of course they're not going to kill him because they kill wanda (laughs) but wanda's gonna come back wanda's gonna come back wanda has a solicit in october for uh, scarlet witch the dark hold event and i'm like (laughs) steve orlando steve steve slow up them solicits boy right but yeah, I I think this is going to get more people into it because not that many people have read Black Knight, especially not like newer yeah, readers in like the past 10 years. Like, I don't think anyone really read, unfortunately, this, you know, really good like series as well. So maybe having like a different person, a different character in the role is like, oh, we'll revamp it and everything. If it gets like another series anytime soon. Well, you know, it's sort of the way people didn't really pay enough attention to Robbie Reyes at first and Jason yeah. Aaron's Avengers has made 
made him such a superstar that he's appearing in every book now. And mm-hmm. Kushala was sort of a background character over mm-hmm. in the pages of Sorcerer Supremes. <laughs> Sorcerer Supreme. The Sorcerer Supremes would be very different. And um, oh my God, I want that book. I want it so bad. Oh, <laughs> I shit. want that musical group. Truly. And uh, then they were, then she appeared over in the pages of Journey into Mystery, uh, War of the Realms, uh, issues four and five. And she was in her own one shot and the one shot ended with she's getting her own book in the fall. So we know that characters can sometimes take a little while to build. We know that Marvel will slow simmer a character as long as it takes. You know, Kelly Thompson first gave us Kushala back in 2016. So it is really important to consider five years is not an incredibly long time to get a solo series. So a character like Black Knight, for how little his name meant anymore after a while, no offense to Black Knight, it doesn't surprise me that it feels like nobody read this. But I agree. Hopefully someone uses him. He winds up in a good miniseries or a good crossover and he gets a little bit more development. That's what I can hope for. I mean, Nathan, you came to Black Knight for some very specific things and I feel like you got more from the trailer than you got from this series. But, you know, your precious Malibu Barbie Black Knight, the way he headed over to the Ultraverse, that makes him Malibu Barbie. Uh, It does. does. How did you feel about the transformation of the character? We were never critical of the series so much as critical of the interpretation of Dane because we wanted maybe better for the character despite appreciating the quandary he found himself in. Do you feel all said and done after what is essentially six issues, counting the King in Black one shot, that Dane has gone on a, a, a journey that fits what you came for? Or did you get inside, find out it was a different movie, but stayed anyway because you like the popcorn? <laughs> no, I was kind of like, hey... So yeah, I, what I, I would have hoped for and I didn't get was the explanation of what brought him from that point. Like even like New Excalibur, like last run, I remember him having a really big prominent part of to now. I mean, I know some my appearances have happened, but like nothing really explained what changed him from the competent hero. Who's, yeah, he was carmudgeon and but kind we, of weird, We just read but... him in that Spider-Man miniseries you recommended yes. that I enjoyed so much. Yes. We just read him being so competent in yeah. oh, 1986. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Monica Rambeau, no. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I would have I would have loved an explanation as to why 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 why. But I didn't get it. I still liked the supporting characters and like the end result and the special effects were good. I kind of just like forgive it and I'm like, okay, cool. I'll watch the sequel. Yeah, for and sure. Yeah. Kevo, one of the things that I know you had a real hard time with was why should I care? Right. Like, you know, you have no problem with Arthurian stuff. You don't mind the recycling of stories, but it was give me a reason to care. Five issues in, plus you went back and you read the King in Black one shot with me. How do you feel? Were you given a reason ultimately to care? Or do you find yourself having covered six issues because your husband asked you to cover six issues? No, that's not why I covered it. Yeah, no, I I don't feel that I've been given a reason to care. I feel that I have witnessed a really cool and interesting relaunch and reimagining of this superhero 
I still don't understand to what end and don't feel I have been given a reason to care. For a character who so much of his mythology and mythos is about him taking this burden alone, I really appreciate the mental health positive perspective of making this a burden that he shares. And that's really cool. And he shares I still don't family. understand why... I still don't understand why we should care about Black Knight or what his significance to the overall narrative of the Marvel Universe is or what his significance to the MCU could be that they are introducing him through Kit Harrington, who is not a small actor. So obviously they are going to want to do things with this character. And I don't really know or see how there is a connection between all of this stuff and anything we know about this person they are introducing in the Eternals of all places. And who knows, with so many things, there was just a report today that Riri uh, for Ironheart is actually going to be introduced in Wakanda Forever, the Black Panther sequel, yep. mm-hmm. ahead of her, ahead of her own TV show. Yeah, who knows where they might be going with Kit Harrington's Dane Whitman? I would want to kick that to you, and put that question to you as you know my co MCU anchor and my co Black Knight anchor. If you have any thoughts on the combination of this comic arc. And anything that we know and I've seen about the character of Dane Whitman in the MCU and everything we know about the direction the MCU is going, how do you feel that this connects or that this might have anything to do with the introduction of Black Knight as a superhero? Or maybe they're just having Dane Whitman be a random background character and he's going to have nothing to do with anything. Who knows? Who knows? I think that I had initially thought to myself, this would be the, the relaunch point for Dane. and They might build something big up for him. What I now more appropriately believe is likely to happen is that Dane Whitman at this point is being given consistent comics to have a reliable library for people to buy trades for if they enjoy Eternals and they go on a deep Google foo. However, mm-hmm. I do think the bigger thing is going to be that something we understand about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that it's a highly transitive idea. It transforms as needed sometimes up to the end of filming and sometimes post is a bitch and i think what black knight is going to be in the films is not yet finalized and as far as his film is not set it has not been filmed whatever he is in eternals is not going to bind him in his own film by any stretch of the imagination so i wonder if this is a way to get the lady black knight on the page using a relatively big name for comics and then worry about what his tone needs to be closer to his series but now she's here and if the movies want to use her she's there and Jax is available I think Kit Harrington is a little too young to have a, a fully grown loss but perhaps <laughs> he can have like a 16 year old daughter or something you know I I don't know but I do oh, believe okay. this <laughs> you mean you mean Kit Harrington isn't 48 years old oh darn 34 no, <laughs> should not have a 16 year old i don't want it no 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 that's that's too young that could be an erstwhile he didn't realize you know just a a little too much fun in the back seat of of his what do british people he had a aston martins he had a little fault in our stars affair with some girl when he was 16 and yeah i i don't know how i feel about that being part of this girl's origin either that was awful so (sighs) 
So here's here's my take. Here's my walk away. He's five foot eight. What? It's so hot on his cute little body. Um, oh, he's a good looking man. Um, here's my take on yes. the whole thing. I enjoy the Black Knight a bunch, but I believe, much like his sword, he's kind of a relic of a bygone era. I don't know that he has too much relevance in the Marvel Universe today, but if he did have relevance in the Marvel Universe today, he would have a number of teams to pick from. Black Knight has a long history with Captain Britain and even appeared in the pages of New Excalibur, giving him some rough ties to the X-Men Universe, not to mention the time that was spent in the pages of Captain Britain and MI-13, yet another X-Men adjacent, if not, you know, truly X-Men-zian book. Of course, he is well known for his time in the Avengers, time spent alongside the Eternals, and there have been, I think, at least two iterations of the Defenders with Black Knight, I believe, right? Yeah. He shows up in the original one and one of the other ones. Yeah, yeah. So that gives us at least four teams that could bear the brunt of the Ebony Blade and the Ebony Blade stress. So my question for you guys becomes, where do you see Dane fitting in in the comics going forward? We know that there's a big Merlin thing going on in the pages of Excalibur. We know that Otherworld has been at play. Mm. We understand that Avengers is moving to a more open world Avengers idea where Avengers can be, you know, we we see Black Knight being an Avenger in other titles, maybe not in Aaron's Avengers, but in background capacities and other books. Where do you think he belongs going forward? For my money, I would just keep him an ancillary Avenger. He's just, he's not a front and center guy. Okay. So like real quick, like movie wise, I think they're trying to move him towards the Avengers. Like I know that's not what you asked, but movie wise, I think they're trying to move him towards the Avengers. Probably. They're like, if you look at it, there's a very certain era of characters that are kind of popping up like vision right now being in the white vision form. Like, you know, Cersei also too in the Eternals. So like, I think it, it you can, with the way you can't keep the actors the, the pay, like, I, I think you've got to kind of keep it rotating. But comic wise, let's see. I would love the Avengers to be more like they were back during Uncanny Avengers, New Avengers, all of that stuff where you had like even with X-Men teams, you had X-Men like Astonishing X-Men was a team that showed up in everybody. Then tell Gamma Flight to stop being so fucking compelling so that it's not doing the job (laughs) of all of the other goddamn Avengers titles because that is so fucking compelling every month. Oh, my God. Like, yes, absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. Like, I didn't think it was going to be better than Immortal Hulk, but... That's really good. It is. At least as good as Immortal Hulk, which I love. But uh, I I think, like, I do like that idea of uh, Avengers world kind of thing, where you've got, like, Jan shows up, and, like, you know, she's got Dane with her, and then, like, you know, like, maybe Thunderstrike somehow. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. But, like... I want to go there. (laughs) Give me Photon, and it's, like, the perfect Avengers. So, Spectrum, Spectrum. That's what you call her now. Oh, yeah. You call her Queen. Captain Marvel. (laughs) I've been... I was trying to think while Nathan was talking, but, I mean... (laughs) It's hard sometimes. I mean, I guess to just make another Avengers team and put them on it. Just make another like West Coast. Not, I guess not another <laughs> West Coast because there's already a West Coast, and I don't feel like he'd go good with the current West Coast. UK coast. The- what's what's a what's a beach in the UK like? Brighton <laughs> Beach? No, no. That's, that's see. I was I was gonna say UK, but UK is like having such a disagreement with mutants right now. I feel like he'd be caught up in that, and I don't really want him in it though. But I mean, like, join the I union. Know. 
if oh yeah you know britannia is dead yep. so they could yep. use yeah. it's it's a lot on union jack because he's not even the good union jack the one who was you know no. with spitfire no. who one day paul cornell was like she's a total vampire and everybody was like that's not how spitfire works and he was like she's a vampire now and everybody was like <laughs> i love that <laughs> all right and now everybody's like no she's just <laughs> like that we're keeping it we're keeping it paul cornell and he's like I told you guys. That's my interpretation <laughs> of how Spitfire went from like vampire to vampire. I am interested to see where all this Britishness is going because we had the Union, we got Black Knight. I guess it's all maybe going to Excalibur with the mutant thing, maybe like a clash, a British against mutants little mini event in just Excalibur. I'm not sure. That would be kind of cool though. I would love another mm. Marvel UK sub imprint event like we got <sighs> with Revolutionary War, like we got uh, with the Mystech. Yeah. So I mean I would I would really love to I mean that's one of my happy places as a comic book fan. So that's and it's obscure and you know Death's Head we had that we got that amazing Death's Head mini uh two years ago. That was, ago. Really that good. was so good. I oh my god. You know as really somebody good. who's a big Death's Head guy and then all of a sudden like Death Head Five and I was just like <laughs> so enamored of it. If I could just get like Death's Head and Mojo in the same book competing for uh, your superiority. Oh that right? would be so awesome. But guys, oh wait, no, Kevo. Kevo, you don't read Marvel <laughs> comics as regularly or with as much investment. So I understand your vote is in many ways as good as a random number generator, but yours is a random number generator yeah. I keep close to my heart. So mm. for your choice, do you think he should go with the X-Men, the Avengers, the Defenders, the Eternals, or I, I don't have any others. Those. Fantastic <laughs> Four. Oh God. Why Might not? As well. Why as well? I, set set I him on fire. Know. He's the human torch. <laughs> okay. Okay, fire. That's there we right. go. okay. Well, there is no better way to end this episode than we hope that somebody sets the Black Knight on fire. <laughs> he does, so I might as well. Oh, yeah. the only other thing I wanted to say is I thought he might die and become the ghost guide to Herbie. Oh, that would be that one was great. I'm just as happy with him not being dead because, mm. you know, after the listener being a really weird so toxic annoying. take on that sort of anxiety app. I'm really glad that they didn't kill the guy who was super suicidal in the uh, end. That's true. That like that was pretty okay. That's I'm true. pretty cool with that. I one one more last 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 thing I wanted to say real quick. I thought the coolest thing in, in this most bizarre and most comic book thing ever was when he popped out of the evil guy's body and just became born again. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. like, okay, cool. He is born that's, again. I know. I was like that. That's one way to bring him back. I want that to happen uh, in the movies somehow. So, <laughs> I, I just hope Jax learns how to clone horses better than Dane. Like, <laughs> And I hope she does something to make that chair less ugly. It's fucking hideous, Dane. It's it so, so bad. You did. Guys, <sighs> guys, I, but can we just talk about how inappropriate it was that he showed his daughter his Percy? Get out! Oh. <laughs> Nico's banned. Oh, <laughs> He's banned. Hey. No. 